1: Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport episode 24 in the 13th season. Can you believe it? 13 seasons of Midweek Motorsport. It is just after 3 o'clock in the afternoon where I am with Shea Adam. Good afternoon, Share. Hello. Uh, more from Shea in. <laughs> that's not all we're getting from Shea at the moment. By the way, just to prove we're live in both of the football matches tonight, it's 1-0. And... The reason that it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon is that I am on Eastern Daylight Time. I'm at the phenomenally beautiful Finger Lakes area of upstate New York for this weekend's weather tech, uh, IMSA weather tech sports Car championship. Uh, we're back in the saddle for IMSA radio on RS2 with a full complement of the Cailins Six Hours and the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge and of course all of the support races. As well, that's why I'm here. It's pouring rain at the moment, by the way, and I can't see the lake uh, or the mountains on the other side. But uh, let's put that to one side Uh, at the moment. We'll not worry about that right now. Now, up in London is not Tim Greer, uh, but Johnny Palmer. Good evening to you, Johnny, where it's just after 8 o'clock.
0: Good evening, John. Yes, it is. And it's very, very warm here in London. 28 degrees it was just a few hours ago. Starting to cool a little bit now. But uh, finally, Brits need not complain about the weather, John.
1: Uh, it would say you have the best of it, which I'm um, a, a bit envious of, uh, to be honest. And uh, let's. Now, we've done no rehearsals here at all. So, uh, Johnny, on a packed programme tonight, we have what? We have all the usual features.
0: Because, of course, we'll be looking into uh, Formula 1. Yay! (laughs) We'll be looking into Formula 1 with Nick Damon. We will, of course, be hearing from you guys about the forthcoming latest round of the weathertech sports car championship john's been busy in recent days uh taking very much part it well not part in the pike's peak challenge but he was there and uh, can tell us all about how that went i know that was a first for him and very much looking forward to it thoroughly enjoyed it so john Hindoff will uh, bring you news on that we've also got uh, bikes to speak about we've got Well, all sorts of things. And Le Mans. We barely covered Le Mans because there was no midweek motorsport last week. So plenty to catch up with, John.
1: Yes, absolutely right, Johnny. Thank you. Johnny Palmer up in London. Uh, I'll do the housekeeping. Uh, Before we get on to anything else, a little Robert Stokes. No apologies for absence tonight. He's plodding down the M1 listening live for the first time in ages, he says. Uh, Keki Murray hoping not to have to tender an apology for absence today. Have a local power outage, so no Wi-Fi. But I wonder if I can find a midweek motorsport friendly spot in the public library. I'm sure this has to count. As uh, a, a public service, I've announcement. done that before. Yeah, of course, yeah. Have. Get your phones on. You'll, you'll be absolutely, uh, absolutely fine there, it, And uh, also, hello to Kevin Payne, who's been going through his photographs, so he's ready. Uh, nice. Thank you very much for posting on Twitter, Kevin. I've retweeted the uh, Friday night campsite tour with travel destinations uh, that you've been. Um, uh, tweeting out tonight. Uh, listening live to the Midweek Motorsport on Radio Le Mans while processing hundreds of photos from Alton Park last weekend, says the Racing Bar Steward. I have to be very careful mm. how I say that one. And thank you very much, Kevin Payne, uh, Sarah Rigby, and everyone else who have... Uh, between the last time we were on there, which was just after four o'clock, wasn't it, on Sunday afternoon, French time, Um, and now sent some very nice words about our coverage of Le Mans. I'll say what I say every year. The team, every single member of the team, worked very, very hard uh, indeed on that, both in front and behind the mics, Uh, thanks to Bob Dawson and all the studio team and, and of course, to uh, the uh, producers back in London, uh, as well, who often are, uh, well, certainly not seen and seldom heard. Uh, uh, Sarah says, uh, thank goodness, after a very long, hot and busy day and evening, I am almost home, so I'm tuning in to Midweek Motorsport. That came in about uh, 20 minutes or so ago. Chris Humphreys, apologies for absence uh, for him. He's on his way home uh, from a training uh, course in London via uh, Southeastern Railways HS1. I'll be catching up on the podcast while commuting to Brands Hatch to marsh on the historic Super Prix this weekend. That's on the Grand Prix circuit as well. Fantastic. Right turn lover hurrying home uh, after a bit of a detour leaving the office. And oh, that's a very nice picture of a lake, RTL. Very good. <laughs> Uh, very
2: we right. could see a lake. It, it's out there, but mm. there's this giant cloud that was in the shape of flubber earlier that's moved over top of us now, John. So I don't know if the flubber. lake is still there.
1: Yes. Uh, Alexander Orkin. Hi, Alex. How are you? Uh, good to have you all back. No apologies for absence. Tons of washing up. Just finished the subway. Alex, by the way, for those that don't know, claims that he's doing the washing up on a Wednesday night <laughs> to get out of everybody's way and goes into the kitchen and just stays there for two. It's the longest
2: if he stocks up all the dishes for the week, yeah, he maybe. could get away with that.
1: Well, uh, roast gammon with onion and leek white sauce, herby roast potatoes and honey glazed carrots. Ooh. What was? Well, I, I didn't get over to Marion's for, for lunch. What was oh. for lunch today?
2: It was lovely. Uh, these little sliders. Marion did this pulled pork that oh, she did no. herself. Uh, pulled chicken, I'm sorry. Oh, she marinated it. it from the night before. She said she wants bit. to see us after the show though okay. and she watched Studio Vision during the 24 hours Lamont said, who is that nice young man who was sitting next to you during the practice sessions I said that was Johnny Palmer uh, and she goes yes. wow he looks different on video
1: <laughs> yeah He's smooth, though, isn't he? Smooth. Yeah, very. Uh, to Chris Sugu, to Chris Ring, to uh, everyone else who uh, is uh, tweeting in. We've got a big crowd in tonight. Uh, Indianapolis. Hello, Sean Belby. Good to see you, Sean, a couple of hey. weeks ago in Detroit. been too long, my friend. Uh, Keke Mary has got uh, somewhere to listen to us. Excellent. Yay. That's good stuff. Well done, Keke. And uh, is that the library? I want to know which section you're in. Yeah. <laughs> In the sports section, presumably. Or,
2: or biographies, I guess. Okay,
1: could be. Uh, Justin Henderson, listening live for the first time in the wide now that I have unlimited data. Keep them coming in. RS, uh, at, at Specutainment, rather, uh, this evening. Uh, Carol Brink is uh, cooking c- cookies, making cookies for a road trip oh. this
2: evening. Uh, she hasn't said where she's going to. If they're graham crack, then we're in trouble.
1: Because oh, yeah, that they're... is
2: just the best cookie.
1: Don't tell Uh, Don't tell Graham Goodwin, (laughs) because he is slightly addicted to him. Christopher Matthias, listening live, uh, really interested to hear everything that's happened since the moment. I don't even think uh, the whole two hours would be enough. Also to Davy Twobrews, another person saying thank you for what uh, we did at Le Mans. And Simon Hoff is listening from a sunny Northamptonshire. Yes, I've come all this way to look at rain. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, He's celebrating the Toyota Hybrid win by making more body panels for his Toyota mr Two, Simon, good to have you listening tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody, again for that. Uh, the top story we shall have, we'll be we're going to listen for a little while because I'm quite excited about the uh, Switzerland Croatia game. Hop sweets, of course. Um, however, Johnny Palmer up in London will take us via the news jingle to our top story. All the latest motorsport
0: news from around the world.
2: Midweek Motorsport.
0: Thank you, John. Yes, hopping around the world as we go. So back to London because the top story must, simply must, be Formula One.
3: Yay!
0: And for that... Kinda of predictably, we have to welcome to the show Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick.
3: Uh, good evening. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Gendarme, gendarme. Je voudrais quitter le parc de automobile. I'm still here. I'm still here. They're,
0: uh, they're not paying any attention, are they, Nick? Well, and,
3: no, uh, we, we managed to move 40 yards on Monday, but since then we've just been stuck.
0: Yeah, well, you're not alone, because uh, I mean, I've heard stories of five hours plus to get out of Paul Ricard after what was a pretty decent race, but a right challenge to even get in the place, first of all.
3: Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, really, that the, 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 the Ricard circuit um, effectively delivered exactly what we expected. And by we, I mean you, me, John... Joe, anybody who's been there in the past five years since it's become the high-speed t- high test track, when there is a single road in and out, um, and we said, I think, when they actually said, oh, it's got a Grand Prix, that, um, you know, 18 months ago, we said, well, that's great. Well, what are they going to do? Are they going to run every in by a helicopter? Or are they going to run a, a load of shuttle buses up and down, have a park and ride? <laughs> no, they just sent all the cars up a single, windy mountain road and hope for the best in full-on... You know we don't know sort of way, and then of course basically they denied the problems at the end of the whole event with the uh, um the the, the manager events oh everyone came who turned up, but it was um it was absolutely a complete um, farce uh, from from me to where, which which you know I have no problem with things happening like a sinkhole or a you know an overturned cow or something, but when he knew it was going to happen, they put no. You know, absolutely no contingency in plan. Have you heard of fake Charlie Whiting on Twitter? Uh,
0: only because you pointed me in his direction earlier on today,
3: yes. Now, does he, he travel to he every knows, Grand Prix? Yeah, he normally quotes There's very funny kind of contra-FIA and FIM tweets. He's a Canadian guy, and he came over to Europe. He had a lovely time at the Le Mans, and he said, right, I'm going to fly down to Marseille, and I'm going to buy a three-day ticket with my wife, and on Friday I'm going to drive up and watch first of those Three days, obviously, and I think it took him four, over five, five hours to get in up the up the hill, which was very funny. Because at one point he, he pointed out that they hadn't stopped any of the local traffic. So at one point there was a, there was a, a convoy exception now of a boat coming the other way. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good planning. And all the school traffic was carrying on, and all the community traffic. And then he got stuck in. The, he saw an hour and a, hour and a quarter, I think, of the four hours of running. Oh, three hours of running. And uh, he drove back and that took another five and a half hours. I think in the end, he spent ten hours in the car. And at that point, he said, I'm not bothering again. So I mean, he be from Canada. And having a Saturday and a Sunday ticket, he didn't go. He just yeah. watched it from the, uh, the fans. And apparently, he wasn't the only one. But, um...
0: Well, I mean, I'd heard stories of, for for the press, that many of them would queue up one side of the track then to discover that media accreditation sign-on was actually the other side of the circuit. So you'd queue up one way and then have a totally free road the other side to get down to the sign-on office only to then queue the other direction to finally get into the track. I mean, that's planning for you, isn't it? I know. I
3: mean, I don't remember, but you know, coming coming back, this, about this time last year, perhaps earlier last year, when we were, when we were there doing Preventic and... Uh the Baron Tarsi was, was, was navigating in very slow fashion our, our MPV down the hill. And I thought, we can't have a Grand Prix here. It's lovely, <laughs> but, you know, people have to come to pay for the massive fees. And uh, effectively, it was... Uh, the other, the weird thing was that, I mean, I don't even remember, I mean, obviously people used to criticise Silverstone being hard to get out of. Mm. But, you know, if you actually look at... Uh, obviously, I live around here. There are already notices up saying the A43 will be a one way street on the Friday. So we are planning for the crowds and on Friday alright a bigger road, but we've already made it one way. You know, the French didn't even make their windy road one way, which they could have done. Yeah. You know, I mean yeah, and it is very much in with in, in Silverstone. it's kind of to hell with the inconvenience. I know people in Silverstone village itself get free tickets and everything. But it's all about planning, and it just seemed there was no planning whatsoever. Then they got very annoyed that people complained, and then they denied there was a problem. And now they say they want more people next year. Well, you know, it seems unless you can afford the helicopter landing fees at the nearby uh, airport, you know, why, why would you go?
0: A few of us had a, a little day trip out to Croft at the weekend, um, which sort of clashed with the with the England match and also obviously the French Grand Prix. But Croft is in the middle of nowhere, just down the road from Darlington. And there was a big crowd for the BTCC because it was a beautiful day. And that's exactly how they solved it. They put one-way systems in down the little country lane. So you've got cars two abreast basically going in and traffic light control, and it worked superbly. And uh, Diana Binks and Jackie Warnock and Joe Bradley and loads of other people that had been busy the previous weekend at, at uh, Le Mans, obviously, had a wonderful day. So I maybe know. they could learn something from Croft.
3: You know, we, we may criticise the over-officiousness um, uh, element of the British, the British constabulary, and uh, but it does work in our favour sometimes when they actually do organise things properly. I've just, and I've just been told that you don't get free tickets anymore um, if you live in Silverson. Um, right. I, I think we should reinstate that. Let's start a campaign. <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's, let's make a banner, quickly. Is it good, though, to have the French Grand Prix back on the calendar? Bear in mind, these things are called Grand Prix, after all.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the problem really is, is that it, is, the question has to be, there's no question about, is it a good idea to have a, a French Grand Prix? 100%. Uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous thing. It's, it's one of the classic races. The fact it's not been there for uh, 10 years uh, is uh, is, a, is a travesty. The problem is fr- they don't really have a circuit that is fit for purpose. Now, obviously, safety-wise, uh, uh, Paul Ricard is very much fit for circus, for purpose, and it raced quite well. I mean, if they make the the changes, it will carry on racing well. But it's, you know, we can probably discuss more about you know how the actual design of the circuit, which is basically a big concrete bowl with a track drawn on it, mm. um, causes all sorts of problems. The circuit where it should be at, which is Corps, which has always been a very good circuit and uh, obviously still grade one, has the problem of being in the middle of nowhere because they built it there to appease the French president at the time who came from that area. So they kind of need to um, yeah, really think about building a new track cause, or finding a way of making Paul Ricard accessible, which is obviously they can't build a new road up there, so they have to find a way of improving it because, yeah... People will probably accept waiting for an hour to get up the hill, but you can't you can't have four and a half or five, it's ridiculous.
0: Um Yes, I mean it's it's an interesting track, unique you might say. In that it's a high speed test track basically, so you know there's there's no furniture necessarily to hit, and mm. that was tested to the very brink on the first lap with uh, some interesting lines, some of which were sort of I mean you know certain drivers didn't have much choice in driving off the road because there were cars sideways. It was a frenetic start.
3: Well, realistically, it's the only track that, for most of the case, looks like it's a test for colour blindness, isn't it really? it's a similar statement. can you see? Both the red and the blue at this corner, yes. and on this corner,
0: and on and this does corner. This thing, does this make things better or worse? Yeah.
3: <laughs> and now are you dizzy? and feeling slightly unwell. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think the if you looked at, the, but number of people who were who just weren't bothering with the the, the track. You know, it, it's a case again where if you if you actually built. Um, Walls or something, everyone, everyone, you know, everyone got around the first corner at Monaco, no problem at all. Mm-hmm. And, and barring last year, obviously, everyone got around the, normally gets around the first corner of Singapore as well, because they know what the limits are. When there's no limits, they're just going crazy for it. And that, I think, certainly um, contributed to the problems in the back of the field, that people were coming off and coming back on the track again and spinning. I think the, the settle issue was, was just down to a bit of bad luck. I, I'm on his, in his, I don't, do actually believe his defence this time he got, he got too good a start. Uh, but the, the other chaos around um, you know, it's like, oh, that's just, you can't, I, I don't, I don't think it's a racetrack. I really don't. I mean, not for F1. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah, you, know, you have races there, but because they're just, well, perhaps you just can't have a standing start. You have to have a rolling start because you also, if you look at the F2 races as well, they're all over the shop as well. When they started, they're all over the shop uh, in those first two corners because there's no, there's no penalty. There's no penalty for not taking the line. Mm.
0: Well, it, it, you know, rolling starts are great at Paul Ricard most of the time, but many will remember that one uh, in the yes. ELMs a few years back. But
3: that's if you don't press the button the right time. <laughs> yes,
0: somebody didn't read the memo, um, <laughs> naming no names, but we all know who it was. Uh, yeah. So I, when the other the other discussion point coming out of the race was the chicane on the Mies yeah. trial.
3: which really seemed to generate
0: a tremendous amount of overtaking for me, but there's now talk that for 2019 that might be removed.
3: Well, I think everyone thought that there was going to be a lot of problems overtaking um, because of the way the circuit was. It wasn't quite long enough. You know, it has it. You know, it, it actually. Let's get this perfectly straight. If you took the design and the elevation changes and the layout, which is very wind dependent, which is good in my opinion, uh, and stuck it with you know proper boundaries rather than stripes, you'd say this is a good track. And I think it, it you know it, it proved itself in there. But the problem was that. You know, they didn't, the drivers didn't really like the chicane what the drivers wanted to do was have a 1.1 mile straight and then a flat out corner at 225 miles an hour which would be a, uh, a fantastic experience and they didn't think the race was, it was going to race very well with the chicane where it was they didn't think it was far enough down as it happened and I, was, I take this from Alex Wurt not from me um, a change of the wind direction uh, for a Race Day, where it was blowing into the faces of the cars as they came along um, came towards the chase, made the DRS and also the splittering far more effective than it had been, which is why the, the, it's why the cars were just going past so easily because obviously the, yeah, the, the drag reduction and the Stipsley uh, were much more powerful when you're going into a headwind and you're going to a tailwind. So it was making it much, much more easy. Now, the question would have been, if the wind had been round the other way, which is obviously a, a random thing, the Mistral, is the Mistral Strait, mm. um, it could have been a, a disaster. And I think also, I think, you know, between you and me and the gatepost, I think we all want to see the cars doing two, three, five miles an hour and then going into a sharp corner. Um, so... But the question, then, on the flip side, is they built three. Well, they have built, They they put up three massive temporary temporary around the temporary grandstands around the chicane and sold loads of tickets. Um, there were two or three actual proper passes um, coming into that the corner at the end of that. But um, yeah, I think I think it, it, it's it's an interesting situation. My feeling is that if they had, it, because the fact that people were overtaking and the fact that chicane makes the money uh, with the tickets, even though the people probably, probably weren't even there, have not turned up yet, um, I don't think it'll get changed.
0: And that's eight races done now of this, again, mammoth 21-race season. A third win for Lewis Hamilton, which brings him level-pegging now with, with Vettel. Um, mm-hmm. Is it turning into a bit of a two-horse race, do you think, for the championship? Or is it still way too early to discuss No, that?
3: I think it is a two-horse race for a couple of reasons. Well, let's be honest. The, if you look at the, the six drivers in the mix, um, the Red Bull is not going to be competitive enough at enough circuits to put in a charge. Just because it's down on power. Um, and... Whilst it'll be fine in certain circuits, it'll win certain races. And, and the other problem they've got is, is the two of them are taking points off each other now, so it's never the Stafford ahead of Ricardo, Ricardo over Stafford. They're kind of swapping over as well, so they're not making a certain single driver charge either. Um, Kimi Rikens is spent for, so he's out of the picture, and Valtteri Bottas is the world's most unlucky driver. So as the absolute key thing, you need to win any world championship in any sport is luck. He's got no chance. So yes, it's a two-person a 2, two person race. Yeah, uh,
0: But I mean, you say Räikkönen's a spent force. There was a point when actually Räikkönen was bottled up behind Vettel and couldn't get through um, and actually looked faster in a phase of the race. But I mean, well, is that yeah, Ferrari he was kind of Vettel going... Tires uh,
3: and, and, and Vettel's and tyres were 40 laps older and he had rooted them by having to run through the field. So um, he was quicker there. And obviously he also managed to get past um, Ricciardo. Ricardo had, had two thirds of his wing had fallen due to... Um, they were trying to say it was damaged by debris, but exactly the same bit fell off both sides, so it sounds like a manufacturer bonding error, with bits of carbon fiber wing fell off. So, um, you know, and he qualified way off, he, he, this Räikkönen, and he loused up qualifying, so, you know, it, he, yeah, he's not going to be presenting much of a, of, a, of a challenge to the World Championship. So, yeah, it is a two-horse race. It, it's Vettel versus Hamilton. It's got ebb and flow. Who knows who will be ahead this week? Um in two weeks, I was going to race this week in Austria, the week after in Silver. And Silver, I think, probably is going to favour Lewis because they're back on these thinner tyres again, which they've used at Barcelona and, and Ricard, which have been good races for Mercedes. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's up in the air, but obviously it will probably involve needing, I think, Fessel to keep his clever head on, not his crappy mm, head on.
0: Mm, true. Um, those two wins at the start of the year may be feeling a little off, although I know he's victorious in Canada too. Um, qualifying. Disappointed for some teams, um, particularly, particularly McLaren. But I mean, I was so surprised to see the two Williams cars you know, not making it into Q2. I have to admit, I don't catch many F1 races uh, these days in full. But you know, how much of a shot was it to have all four of those cars not make it into the second bit of qualifying?
3: Well, I'm sorry to say, Johnny, you, you are sure you've not watched much F1 this year because right. the Williams' have been, frankly, well, it, it, what's, what's below appalling? Um, without using any form of expletive,
0: um,
3: dog slow. I th- yes, horrendously yes, and poor. And handling like a handling like a a greased cat going round a roundabout. Um, it's just uh, they are just terrible. Um, Why is that then? Well, they've got something severely wrong in the in the design of the car, and they are su- and they are suffering from an issue. Um, with, which they say is the issue of this stuff, is they're getting a stall in the, in the underfloor, which is making the car very unpredictable. So basically, it's, it's lots of downforce, lots of downforce, lots of downforce, oh, nothing, because it stalls, and, therefore and, and that's obviously making the car unpredictable. Mm. I think they've also got um, two uh, drivers who have no experience of putting it right. I think John wants to ask a question, by the way.
0: Okay, let's see if we can get John back on air.
1: What I wanted to say, Nick, and it is about—and um, by the way, I agree with everything that you've you've said so far. I, I did think the track looked pretty good, if I'm honest, but I do like the idea of Ricard as an eye test. Um, the, uh, the the Williams Williams are backing themselves into a bit of a corner here, um, but because of that lack of experience of the drivers, and I I have to fear for them going forward given that the, uh, they are effectively taking paid drivers, they lose their Martini sponsorship at the end of the year, and if Stroll Senior decides not to continue to pay for his boy not to get very much further, uh, what future for Williams?
3: Um, well, they're going to take a huge hit in prize money this year because they'll finish 9th or 10th, they won't finish it better than that. Um, they are trying to run themselves as a business, and... They have made some very poor business decisions. They've sacked a couple of people. They've sacked the, the design and the air dynamics. Um, but I think, yeah, I think we're all kind of worrying what's happened to the great team of Williams. But those have been a kind of the last two or three years they've been drifting downwards. It's, you know, they had a fast car with a good engine at the front when they started with the hybrid era, having the Mercedes was a great game now, of course, Mercedes only has a marginal advantage over the Ferrari and and, and, and the other engines, so that, yeah, their shortcomings are being exposed. And, but, yeah, they have this issue where they are a bit clueless about how they fix it, and that, I think, is always the problem. And and, and if they don't turn it round soon, they are going to finish dead last. It's a very good point. How long does Mr. Stroll Seedy want to continue bankrolling his son at Williams? Any issue with that really is not sure which other team would want to take his bankroll. Um Possibly fourth India, but even they might think it 's a bit beneath them so um, it 's uh, an interesting situation you know where you know, whether you take the money uh, or try and get to them and, and really they need to find a, a decent driver and i 'm afraid even, even Robert Kubica doesn 't quite fit that gap because he hasn 't got relevant experience they need to get someone's who's got who 's relatively quick and got relatively recent experience in in f one and and, and and knows what 's going on, even if it 's you know just a stick him in the car for a two-day test. You know, even they'd get Felipe Massa back in again, stick him in front of the test, which he could do. Just to say, look, what's wrong with this thing? Why isn't it working?
0: And then we were treated to the example of how quickly motorsport can give one weekend and then take away another because Fernando Alonso, sort of standout <laughs> radio message, I've got no brakes left, I've got no tyres left, we're out of the points, why don't I just pull over?
3: Well, it has, I must admit, the whole at McLaren. McLaren has now um, spawned my favourite uh, of the many um, uh, problems or, or, or rumours that get uh, that end up with the uh, christened after Watergate, and they are now called Fredo Gate, um, named after the small chocolate bar in the shape of a frog, a Fredo the Frog bar, which I think cost 22 pence from a local newsagent. Which apparently that was the gift for working multiple extra shifts for the team. They all got a Fredo the Frog bar. Uh, back in the factory, and it does seem that the whole <laughs> the whole place is completely disaffected i mean and you look at the why that might be no you, look at, you look at the no, it's true they've got a free chocolate bar uh and you look at the, the, the why that is, and then you have to say the senior management now it's, it's all very well getting rid of Martin Whitmarsh and all very well i think, have it in a coup and they having got a coup and get rid of ron Dennis. but then if you the people who are managing managing the team and that's Boulier, that's um Zach, that's the rest of them. Yeah, they're very good at getting themselves a press release, and obviously it helps that they they effectively own the rights to uh, uh, one of the major, uh, if not particularly trustworthy, uh, news outlets. Um, but it's an ultimate smoke and mirrors, and you know they dug their own hole with a ridiculous content. well we we would be as fast as you know Red Bull if we had a, 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 a you know a um, a Renault engine last year, and they had a the Honda engine. We've got the second best chassis on the grid, which no one believed. The reason they were fast around the corners last year the year before is they piled on loads more wing and then blamed the lack of speed in the straights for, on on uh, on Honda so it's like what are you trying to you trying to convince um you know and also they do seem to have managed to go backwards during this season. It started relatively strongly just relatively uh, and now they're saying they 've got a, a wind tunnel correlation that's not going right and you know, people say, oh, Eric Boullier needs to go, Zach Brown needs to go, but you get this point, it's a very similar point you get to, when, you know, which all of us know in this, in this area, John, myself, and Johnny, when you support a football team that's not going well, <laughs> yeah, you can stack the manager, but who did you get to replace him?
0: Yeah, you've got to be careful what you wish for sometimes in those situations, haven't you? I'd just like to point out, by the way, that wasn't a John Hindoff hotkey that I've got exclusive access to where he went, no way. That was actually John, but uh, on a very slight delay. Um, Obviously getting rather excited about the subject topics in the first bit of Midweek Motorsport for a Wednesday night. We're still talking about Formula One, Johnny Palmer and Nick Damon. We will hear from John and Shea Adam, Uh, over in the States very, very shortly. Um, We're sort of into the crazy bit of the season, as you say. Austria next, then Silverstone, and it's about this time of year in F1 where we think about driver changes for next season. I've seen some people say that Daniel Ricciardo might be the the key to it all as to his future, and then you've got this process of backfilling his position.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a, It's a very good point though. I mean, I mean Danny Ricardo seems to be holding all the all the keys, but in fact I suppose really it, they're all waiting for lewis to to sign for uh, re-sign sorry for mercedes Everyone says now is a done deal and they're just deciding when to announce it whether they're going to announce it um in the uh, for the British grand Prix or for the German grand Prix depending on whether it's more important to you know big up our fans uh, the british fans or, or big up the German people actually pay his bills um so they are going to um that will happen. And once that happens, it kind of like, then they have to decide they do keep Valtteri. Valtteri has been doing a very good job since the first race, which he loused up. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, now the rumour is that, that, that you know, Ricardo is, is considering offers from Renault, the works team Renault, and uh, McLaren. But that kind of, with his options closing down, you kind of think that's more a case. Of going, Look, I've got other options, so you've got to pay me lots of money. you got to pay me lots of money, and so it may even be a bargain just to get more money out of um, Red Bull. Hmm.
0: Let's go back a step because John Hindoff's got a question again about McLaren and uh, we have not quite finished on that topic. Go ahead, John.
1: Uh, Sorry about that, guys. uh, um, uh, What I was going to say about McLaren, uh, Nick, is are they diversifying so much and is it wise for McLaren to be talking about a full season of IndyCar with Scott Dixon and Fernando Alonso designing a new car to go and win Le Mans in 2020 um th- launching their new Senna road car which two were um written off uh, by journalists last week before most of them got into them uh trying to trying to develop themselves as a, a major road car manufacturer are they just doing too much and th- their core product you know, McLaren is McLaren because of, of motor racing and their core product, Formula One, at the moment needs looking at. You know, Ferrari a few years ago were in a slump. They were meant to be going to go and do all sorts of things. And they put everything on hold to try and get Formula One back on track, pun absolutely intended. That's why we didn't get the GTE, uh, the GT3-engined LMP2 car. That's why we didn't get the Ferrari um, prototype car, uh, McLaren still seem to be hell-bent on this scattergun approach, which isn't working for them right now.
3: No, it's not working as for Formula for One's concern. The, the road car business has been an outstanding success. They've really done a fantastic job though. There. The, the, there were more McLaren sold last year than Lamborghinis. And that's from a standing start in, what, eight years? So the road car, that's going really, really well. But I think the problem really is, John, is there is a management vacuum. There's nothing wrong with having a road car operation as long as it's being managed by the team that's not being distracted by it on anything else. There's nothing wrong with having an F1 team. Nothing wrong with having an IndyCar team. when you've got the same people trying to manage all of them and manage them all less effectively, the you know the the, the labyrinthine way that McLaren are, are constructed and you know it's it's just a case really where they they need to to to, to diversify or sort of divest sorry the F1 operation make it a separate area. But do they have the management talent? I mean, I you know. I, I couldn't imagine F1 team, but I can certainly see people who are not doing a very good job. And and you know, what has Eric Boullier ever bought so, Yeah, you know, Eric Boullier is, is a as ineffective as Sam Michael. And you know how much I like Sam Michael doing doing his various terrible jobs in F1. Um, you know, they've they've just got a complete slow death, really. Um, and all the clever things they think they've done, all the all the boardroom machinations, all the buyouts, all the sellbacks, it's just left a situation where yeah, road cars going well. Running an IndyCar program is easy because it's a chassis rental; it's not an issue. They're just just painting it orange, and you know, perhaps Zach Brown can finally find a sponsor for something and get one for them. But the F1 thing is completely different, and it's it's so broken that how long does it take to fix?
0: Very good point, and uh, we might just have to wait and see to find out the answer to that question uh, briefly, and then we'll move on from Formula One. Renault, uh, an eighth and a ninth place finish at the weekend. Carlos Seitz and Nico Hulkenberg, and there's something quite special for them coming in Austria with this heavily upgraded engine, the MGUK. Do you know yeah, what's so
3: about it's Yes, it's actually yeah, it's not the engine that's going up. It's the MGUK, which is the old-fashioned Kerr device. M-G-U-H. Oh, big pardon, right? Okay, MGUH, which is the um, uh, the uh, hybridization. So yeah, they've always had a bit of bit bigger. It's not been as efficient, and they, they've had some problems with it. So after a, it's now a year and a half late. So what it should do is just make a more efficient uh, electrical power. So it's 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 um. what it, uh, well, the major advantage of it actually is packaging, because it's significantly lighter. Because obviously you can't get any more power. Even if you have it capped at 160 horsepower, so you can't actually produce a new. Um, hybridized system that produces 150 horsepower because you're just not allowed to have it. And you can't produce any more power overlap because you're not allowed to have it. But what this is, is, is the same but lighter and smaller. So it means that they can obviously save a few kilograms. It means you can package it much more easily. It means you can, it's also easier to cool. So it's all the attendant benefits it has. It isn't going to produce 10 more horsepower, but it is going to make the car a more efficient package. You know, the weight can go right to the bottom of the car. So, yeah, so it's there's it's marginal gains, be I mean, worth time because any time you can take weight at, off a part and put it where you want to put it, 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 it helps handle the car.
0: That's Formula One. That's uh, Nick Damon, our correspondent for said sport, but uh, also a huge bike fan. And we had the latest round of the Superbike World Championship at the weekend from yeah. the United States. The uh, Let's get the title of the track uh, correct these days. The WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. And was it all about one man? Because I'm looking at the results here. And it
3: well, was... it's, it's, it's realistically, if you go back the last four years, it's all been about one man. <laughs> and once again, it was all about uh, one man. Poor old Johnny Ray uh, won both races. Um, and he now sits pretty um, 80, uh, sorry, yes, uh, 75 points ahead. So he's three whole race wins ahead of the next mm. second place. is Chaz Davis had a good weekend. Tom Sykes, who is his teammate, counts like he had a poor weekend, 7th uh, and 8th. Uh, and the Yamahas con- continued their um, improvements. A hero of the weekend, though, uh, in third place in race two was Eugene Laverty. Who was only about, I think, four or five weeks ago, he was thrown in his bike violently, I believe, at Imola, and you know was was lying in hospital bed with all sorts of things wired up and and uh, you know and uh, cages and that sort of thing because he broke large parts of his body. There was obviously being a motorcycle race six weeks later, he's back and he's on the podium. So um, fantastic performance, but. Um, the, uh, the interesting thing, um, just on this, because it's pretty obvious that Jonathan Bray now, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to win this one as well, is it does seem that Tom Sykes, who won the championship um, the year before Johnny began his run in Kawasaki, he's been his teammate ever since, that relationship with Kawasaki is beginning to go sour, um, even though he's you know, fourth in the championship and has won a couple of rounds, so much that he, he is openly critical of, um, the, of uh, Johnny Ray's um, Engineer saying he sourd the atmosphere. Uh, he was openly concerned about what was going on within the Kawasaki team. And now there is a strong rumour that um, he will be replaced by obviously, because it's World Superbike, another Brit. It could be that Leon Haslam comes in mm-hmm. to partner Johnny um, the next year. So Leon currently running for Kawasaki in the British Superbikes, And particularly Tim's not here because he'd know this one. I think he's leading now. He's certainly in the top two in British Superbikes. And so he's chance could put back to World Superbikes. Um, with Kawasaki and partner Johnny Ray and Tom Sykes will go and apply his trade somewhere else in the group. He's still a good guy, still a fast guy um, in many ways I think Tom probably would actually benefit from being somewhere else I think being in the shadow of, of Johnny Ray is, is, is a difficult thing and perhaps he's on a different bike and had a chance of fighting different machines he might find it a bit easier
0: Leon Haslam is indeed leading the British Superbike Championship from Bradley Ray by 14 points I reckon if they're up to date these results uh, yes they appear to be so, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, we we have on the other end of the line, some people in America, of course, will have uh, had every opportunity to witness the latest round of the Superbike World Championship. I'm sure, John, the coverage in the States was wall-to-wall from Laguna Seca.
1: You'd, you'd have thought that, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would have thought that. But I have just realised that that happened. And... I had a bit of time on that because of the way Pikes Peak, and we'll talk about Pikes Peak in National Hill Climb uh, later on in the show, but the, way the because of the way that Pikes Peak works, on the practice days, so Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, you have to be off the mountain by half past eight in the morning. Um, so I was getting up half an hour before I would normally have gone to bed to get to the mountain and get my spot and uh, make sure I was where I needed to be. And therefore, I had time to watch whilst I was doing some work and catching up on stuff from Le Mans. I watched football. I watched all of the sessions of the Grand Prix except the race itself. There was nothing. And and she Adam is with me now. All right, you were uh, slightly further out of civilization at the at your cottage up in the uh, the middle of the uh, Canadian Lakes region. Um, is there any
2: live coverage, Stets? Yes. Is it on a channel that anyone gets? No. It's on BEIN Sports. Oh, it's on BEIN Sports. That is a... Right. That's one of the, the TV channels that you have to sign up for after you've signed up for the extra channels because it is offered in so few markets. That is also the channel, interestingly enough, that MotoGP airs on.
1: Yeah, they have both. I, I should have remembered that, and that wasn't on... I had a very excellent, very excellent package uh, in the Holiday and Express and Suites at Colorado Springs. And by the way, being at 6,000 feet... It's- Right. <laughs> now that I'm back down to ground level, I feel, and I seem to have well, cured me.
2: Ground level, roughly speaking.
1: Yeah, I've I seem to have cured a part of me fear of height, at least. <laughs> um, the uh, it, it was great. It had all the sports packages, all of the local channels, all of the local sports channels. It had on demand, etc., etc. nobody being sports, so another no wonder I didn't see it. Hmm.
2: To get it on Comcast, I have to sign up for a sports extension package and then an additional five dollar a month package to get that channel
1: i presume um that it's available as a subscription from the particular um championships involved uh, don't forget to keep the the tweets coming in aspect entertainment thank you very much indeed uh giancarlo <laughs> fischiuela has said <laughs> uh, nick is absolutely right about mclaren um they're all over the place at the moment um david two bruce loving nick's uh, synopsis of the uh, of what was going on. He says, I literally laughed out loud um, after um, also Michael Hetherington saying, uh, Sam Allardyce will take over at McLaren and save them from relegation. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> English <laughs> football joke there. I got that. Uh, yeah. And by the way, it's now 2-0 and 1-1 in the football, just in case you're uh, keeping in there. Uh, and uh, I think that's it for the moment. Keep those coming. Uh Keep those coming in. Johnny Palmer is in the studio in London. Doing a cracking job. I think I should be able to take some Wednesdays off now. Palmer's done far too well here. Uh, It's episode 13... Uh, sorry, series thirteen, episode twenty-four, and where would you like to take us next, Mister Palmer? Are we are we finished with motorcycles?
0: That was always the danger, wasn't it, that i was going to do too far too good a job, I suppose. Um, only to mention, really, with with Nick, if uh, you're still on the line, I, think I am. You are Excellent. Um, looking ahead in the Superbike World Championship, there's some cracking European tracks to come. Mm. Just into July, at Mizano, I've still never been there, but we've sort of uh, crossed paths with guys en route to there when we last went to Imola, which is just up the road from there. Good for truck racing, I assume good for bikes, together with uh, the Algarve circuit in Portugal, and then another French circuit that, you have to admit, struggles for infrastructure, Manicor. but
3: it's a great track.
0: It is a good track. So, I mean, good racing there, but, again, it's a brave person to bet against Johnny Ray, sort of bossing the championship, for the remaining ten races,
3: there is there is only one way that Johnny Way is not going to win the championship, and that's what like we none of us want to see, it, and that's that he gets hurt. But Apart from that, he will cruise to it again. And you know he's broken the record; he deserves it. He kind of wonder what he's going to do next. There have been rumors about he might go to the Gp I think it's a bit he's a bit late. He's thirty-one, thirty-two. Um, so I think he's again that's probably a gut bargaining position to just make sure he gets a lovely, lovely, nice pay rise from Kawasaki, which he deserves all the cash, Johnny. You deserve all of it.
0: Um what's that GP? Because obviously we didn't have a race at the weekend. How much longer do we have to wait for the next one of that? Is that this
3: weekend? I think it's I think it's this I think it is this weekend. It's not, I got, are we asking this again? Is it ah oh, they used always been Saturday? I think it's now on Sunday, isn't it? Assen. That's First a good. Of joke, July, that's one yes. of um it'll either rain, um, or it'll rain. Though so actually they, they probably have the same heat wave that we're having having because they are only just over the water, aren't they? Yes. So uh, it might be a rare one where there's you know, there's, a, there's a there's heat stroke at Assen rather than trench foot.
0: Spanish win, do you think, with Marquez and well, Lorenzo say, winning the last five races? I
3: always kind of think that Aspen's a chance to get something a bit different. We've had, you know, uh, Valentino always goes well there. We've had uh, Jack Miller go well there again in wet conditions. And so I am kind of, I think let's have a bit of rain let's have something different. Because Mar- Marquez is still going to win the championship because he's just, he's just a little bit better. than and, and the people who try to challenge him are falling by the wayside. And, and, and it's one of those things where no-one's putting a concerted challenge together. So... Uh, Basically, I think he's going to win. So let's have a nice wet
0: one and let's get a different winner. OK, that's a 27-point lead at the moment Marquez has over Valentino Rossi and the rest. Nick Damon, thank you very much for being part of Midweek Motorsport once again. Uh, he'll be back on next week, I'm sure, with all the latest Formula 1 news together with the bikes as well. Oh, don't, don't let him go let him yet. just yet. OK, he's still there. I'm
3: still
1: here. Go on,
3: John. Because got I want question? to talk them
1: on with him. Well, go on. No, I just want to talk Le Mans with them, uh, by the way. Actually, I just had a a note in from somebody, and I had heard this from somewhere else, but confirmed. um, It was so expensive at Ricard Airport that Nicky Lauda sent his jet home to Austria because he didn't want to pay the parking fees for laying it up there at the weekend. It was cheaper for it to fly back to Austria and then come back again on Sunday rather than fly in on um, Wednesday night or Thursday and stay over the weekend. Uh, Le Mans uh ladies and gentlemen actually uh, just uh, carol briggs just said um coverage from laguna ha 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 there was barely any coverage here in monterey broadcast on the Beer network which is only on standard def there's no high def o- option on comcast even if you pay for it so no wonder um i didn't say anything about it at the weekend
2: and it was the spicy ginger snap cookies that she was oh making well, oh dear yeah
1: right okay uh Gentlemen and lady, you were all present at the 86th running of the Le Mans 24 Hours a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Plenty has happened since. Uh, results have changed. People have been thrown out. There's been all kinds of machinations. Um, Nick, I'll, I'll ask you first, because you're on the telephone, and we're doing sort of this World Cup 1980s time. 1-0! Um, what, um, what do you take away from... And we didn't get everybody on the BMW post-race tech either. And by the way, we will have the result of the mobile one moment of the race before the end of tonight's show, and hopefully a winner as well uh, for the Richard Leeds race suit. Um, What did you take away from Le Mans and and the machinations afterwards, particularly in GTE driving time and... LMP2 with a new winner. Good luck on getting the trophies, Mark, by the way. Well, it's
3: interesting, because obviously everyone knew I was doing Le Mans, so and okay, people came back and said, what do you think of the Mans? And I said, you know what, I think that, that, this is the 12th one I've done it. it. was by far the least interesting race, but I really enjoyed it. And they go, what do you mean? I said, I really enjoyed the event. I thought it was, it was a good event. I said, on a purely selfish level, working the pit lane, that was the ideal temperature, 21 to 23 degrees, not too hot, not too cold. And I really, I just, I enjoyed it. I liked I think we i blow I think we, we all did a pretty good job and I think we, we produced some pretty good output but the race itself never got going as far as I was concerned I think it's it's you know when, when at the end of the day what we're all talking about is a very good battle but a battle for of five laps for second place in GTE you realize the race itself wasn't of particular quality but you know we not yeah, I still so still really enjoyed the event um, as for the post-race machinations, um, if everybody knew there was an issue with the SMP, with the, the, the P2 um, fueling, the G-Drive cars, because they were timing them, I'm not quite sure why no one went along to see what was going on prior. Because you can tell something like it was seven seconds faster, apparently, all the t- other teams were going with something wrong, or perhaps it was after the event, why they weren't investigated during the 24 hours of the race, and I asked, hang on, how are you doing this? Um... Is what I'm surprised about. Um, but yeah, apart from that, yeah, and, and, I, and I think you know, you can, as far as the value of the overall win, you can only beat who's in front of you. Turns so you've got both cars to finish, and well, and many, many, many congratulations then them for winning. And, and you have to, you can only fight the opposition you've got.
1: 33 years of hurt as far as Toyota is concerned with their relationship with uh, Le Mans. Um, we hear, Johnny, that the um, SMP, the TDS SMP team... G-Drive. Uh, g um, team, sorry, that was because Nick said that. Yes. Uh, put it in my head. The TDS uh, G-Drive team are going to appeal this disqualification um, on the grounds that the regulations... Aren't specific enough about what you can and can't do. Except, except I've looked at the regulations, and there's a fairly um, detailed technical drawing there right. of 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 what your your uh, your fuel rig has to look like. And clearly, uh, the interior uh, didn't look like that. Um, they've they've taken a chance. They've got caught. Um, I, I don't I don't know. What's your what's your feeling, J.P. about results? being changed afterwards. Should that have been cottoned onto beforehand? Should that have been addressed beforehand, as Nick mentioned? Uh, it's difficult, because
0: I don't know how they found out. Presumably, that was uh, them taking the fuel rig assembly apart and then discovering these additional, additionally f- uh, machined sections that uh, TDS, both with their G-Drive car number 26 and the TDS car number 28, they maintain that, as you say, there's nothing in the regulations that prohibits you from adding these parts, but... <laughs> I mean I suppose in the regulations it has to state everything absolutely everything you cannot do now rather than telling you what to do. Um yeah, I they've tried something. They've been six to eight seconds quicker every single uh, every single stop and they've managed to pull out this advantage. I mean, don't get me wrong, they never missed a beat either, so they would have been there or thereabouts had they played it legally, they might now be kicking themselves thinking, God, if we hadn't messed about with these machine parts, we probably would have won anyway. Um But you can't blame them for appealing because it's a massive race, a massive undertaking and they've now found themselves with both cars excluded. So if there is a right to appeal, you know, let's see what happens because they were bound to do it.
1: Uh, You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, episode 24 of season 13. Moni, hi, Monica. Uh, She's in uh, Amsterdam uh, having a conference. And, of course, as they're in Amsterdam having a conference, they're having their dance party, so she can't be listening in. She'll be on the podcast later on. Uh, Staying with Le JP, and the other major changes were all down to driver time infringements. And chief among the problems were Ford, and I'll come to Shea in a moment because she mentioned something as we were driving the uh, very lovely Cadillac CTSV up the road this morning, which I thought was interesting. Um, both Tony Canan and Scott Dixon didn't get their time in the car. Um, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the Canaan car, Johnny, is a full-season WEC car. So that loses out any points it would have got for the championship. That's That is actually... Quite a bad mistake for them in in terms of their championship aspirations. It's huge, and
0: I really don't understand how you know a a race can be affected by something this large as well. Because I mean, it was a significant portion of the race. Um, and Canal competed five hours and 16 minutes of his six hour minimum, so they're out by 44 minutes. And I just think, surely, in such a big organization like Ford Chip Ganassi Racing, you're going to have somebody whose sole purpose, whose sole role in the whole race is making sure that minimum drive times are are met. So, yeah, as you say, it's not only uh, a massive result for them or non-result for them at the Le Mans 24 hours, but it also affects them going on into the super season, which, of course, spans now two years and puts... I mean, Canaan won't have much to do with the rest of the year now, apart from Le Mans last year, unless he get, they get him in for the odd guest race, maybe the Sebring support race, uh, but uh, yeah, Harry Tink and Andy Prio now having got a really good result on the road that uh, affects things by such a, a glaring and and simply put, right error, I would say.
1: Uh, the uh, the thing with that, Johnny, is and I, I I say this and of course I can't prove it because I didn't mention it at the time. You're absolutely right. It's not a difficult thing nowadays to keep track of, and in fact, several of our listeners tweeted in. To say Canan's not done his drive time. Towards the end of the race, can Paul check to see if he, he's done the drive time? And and towards the the end of the, the race, I I just forgot about it and I forgot to mention it in post race tech, if, if I'm honest. I was too busy waiting for the Toyota to break down, fall through a hole in the <laughs> space time continuum or being knocked off the the track by the
2: giant uh, pink cat. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, you noticed something, Shay, at the end of the race, that both of those odd-numbered Fords did.
2: Well, all of the Fords put the starting driver back in for the finish, but they had staggered the pit stops. So the 66 and the 68 pitted together, or right. on the, the similar lap, 67 and 69 also pitted together. When the 67 hit trouble in the middle of the race, and went back into the garage for a little while. I think it was early morning because I seemed to... Remember, I was in the pits. Um, went back into the garage, did some repair work, came back out. But they never went back. They skipped the Tony Canon and the Scott Dixon ah. final driver stint. So instead of going uh, Priu, Tinknell, Kanon or whatever iteration it was, they went Priu, Tinknell, Priu, right. and put Andy back in for the end. They did the same thing with the 69, right. where it was Briscoe, Westy, uh, and then Dixon. And Dixon was only short by about 10 minutes. But the problem it's was... worse in
1: some respect, isn't it? Exactly.
2: Well, not a full-season car, so they don't have to worry about the championship. True. But all it means is that all of the cars went back to their starting drivers. So they knew early on that it was going to be tight time-wise. They didn't realize it was going to be that tight. And that's something I'm interested in when we get them set up in the paddock here this weekend, to go down to the engineers at Ford and say, Ahem, how did this happen?
1: They take them a watch. Yeah. You
2: guys got one at Daytona. You know what time it is.
1: <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good indeed. Um, You saw probably more of the race than, than most people from different perspectives on our team because not only as part of the Forza Motorsport pit lane reporting crew, but also in the booth so that Johnny and I could get a bit of uh, a longer break. And so you did the swing shift in the, the middle of the night. It wasn't what we've seen in the the last few years in in terms of door-to-door racing, apart from the notable exception mentioned by Nick. Um, But it was, for me, I was quite pleasantly surprised. Um, I thought... You know, I had my rant on Wednesday, and I didn't mention BOP again. We talked Mm -hmm. about the puppies, and that was it. We left them. Balance of puppies. Uh, Balance of puppies. Uh, Barking of puppies. Barking of puppies. Barking of puppies. puppies. I think that's what it'll be called from now on. Yeah. Um, uh, There were more than just Porsche and Ford that could have won that race in GTE if they hadn't had problems. You know, Ferrari were there. They had problems. BMW were there. They had reliability issues. We had a Corvette one step off the podium in fourth, albeit... Laps down. Um, what do you, you you've had a time to process it now? Whilst you've been sunning yourself up in the Canadian lakes. Not much sun. It's been cold. Well, no, only what what have you come up with then? What 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 do you have the, from the takeaway?
2: Um, I, driving back with Fiona Miller the day after the race, and as always, I love that because fabulous, it, fragrant free, and it it's so therapeutic. She hit the nail on the head. They can't all be fantastic races. Or else, the ones that are supposed to be memorable wouldn't Don't stand be. out. So, yeah. as Nick said, it was his twelfth Le Mans. It was probably the the least exciting race of those. It was my seventh Le Mans. It was definitely it was the first one that didn't have a, a reason to be remembered necessarily, yeah. but it was a fantastic experience. Just something about the whole thing. You but were always wondering. The track was fabulous. Yeah. And and uh, when the... And when, a bigger
1: crowd this year than last year. Still not the biggest I've seen, but certainly.
2: When Kamui Kobayashi missed the pit lane and, and slowed oh. down on that lap, Lena Gade and I were watching on the backside of the curtain in the booth and we're both going, this can't be happening. You were always waiting for something yeah. to happen, for the big pink cat to come and knock cars off the track. It was a good race. And it, take the pink pig and the Rothmans Porsche out of it there was a lot of opportunity for the other GTE pro manufacturers to stand up. The,
1: the other thing from my, I mean, I remember I, I I'm a bit, I feel a bit sorry for Toyota and, I, and I'll throw this back to, to Johnny and to Nick to have a bit of discussion in, um, the, the next four minutes or so before we hit half time. um, two nil and two, two, by the way, in the football, the, um, you might want to let people know what games those are for. No, no, not no. So we we'll never see okay. that. Okay. Um, I remember Nick when Audi were winning by ten laps, and I don't seem to remember them getting as much negativity as as Toyota have got. Um, you know, their car. If we hadn't had the safety cars and the slow zones, that would have been a record-breaking race. We would have broken. 400, but if and if, ifs and ans were pops and pans, then my uncle would be my auntie, wouldn't we? So, I mean, you know, but I just don't get the negativity. It's a, it's a Grand Prix Don and Toyota were the champion at the Grand Prix Don Yeah,
3: absolutely. I think, I think a lot of it is people, um, two things. One, there's a little bit of a pushback against, um, uh, for, some, for some people, about Alonso coming in, and, and, and whilst it was nothing to do with him. Verdict.com was stealing all the, the news and all the publicity, and the way it was reported, you know, somebody Alonso's car qualifies on polls, very small, very, 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 very small print by you know, by uh, uh, Nakajima, you know. But um, yeah, I think that, I think the, other, the the main reason was I think for the, the sort of negativity for those in the know was how heavily the rules got bent in the favour of Toyota, and, and in in the in the end they were bent too far. Um, they were written, obviously, with a theoretically half to three-quarters of a second lap advantage in straight line's pace. Realistically, Toyota had four seconds of lap. Um, you know, and then you had the difference with the, the fuel as well and everything else. So they had too much of a help. And I suppose, really, at that point, you know, our natural um feeling of uh, fair play is well that just wasn't a fair fight literally you know they they would have won even without um the advantage uh, of the pits and you know because the car's just a very very good car and one of the cars ran faultlessly so you know but you you know, you, you have to raise rules one thing I would hope is I would hope that the e o t to mention not b o p uh, gets significantly changed um for uh, next year's Le Mans, and it gives the the LMP1 privateer cars a chance of, of perhaps you know let's get them give them a couple of seconds, take away some of the pit stop um, uh, deficit, and Toyota's still got a second in hand in the uh, every lap, but they're not making up left, right, and centre. That, that's what I think. But I still personally I think well done for winning it. It's a hard race to win, regardless of who you're racing.
0: And in the GT category, there were some interesting comments afterwards from people like Doug Feeham at uh, Corvette and Jens Markart as well. Feeham's quote was almost that the GT racing, although he, he labelled it, not, this wasn't a criticism he said, but it was almost preordained, as in the rules are that restricted now. You know, they have to be 14 lap stints and the pit stops are done to a minimum as well. And, and Jens Markart's gone as far as to say that the, the safety car, Regs, as far as the GTs are concerned, almost need looking at in the future because there was that massive gap between the first and second place GT Pro cars. I mean, do you think we'll ever be in a position where they, like they do at Daytona, and almost treat the prototypes and the GT separately, and you have a wave by just to keep all the GT cars as close to one another as possible?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, they need to look. I think they, 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 uh, John mentioned, I feel like we we do we they do need to look at this sudden mandating the pit stops. Also, talking about pit stops they've got to go back to the previous way. This doing everything you can at the same time as, you know, yeah. using fuel. Yeah. You know, the, the main teams, do some very clever stuff where they're changing of wings and they're changing of brakes. Of course, is fantastic to watch. I mean, yeah, in the pits. That's just fantastic. But no, it's not what it should be. If you're going to do something apart from sticking fuel it should cost you time uh, and that's where you know, make the tactics. They did strip a huge amount of tactics out of this year, unfortunately.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, typically, though, the ACO have a habit of sort of standing still a little bit on these things and next regulation change isn't until, what, two years, isn't it, 2020, when the supposed hypercar rules are going to come in. I feel like it's a bit further off than that, frankly. We'll see how soon we get there. But uh, can you see much change between now and next year? Because it's the all EOT, the same season, isn't it?
3: Well, the EOT they can change because that's a, a movable feast. That's the equivalency of technology that's between the LMP1 privateers and the Toyota. They can change that. And now Toyota 1, I'm sure Toyota will be probably slightly more happy to accept the slight change. Uh, BOP is a constant moving fee, but so I think the actual pit stop rules, I think, no, that's, that's, that's in stone for the super season.
0: Nick Damon, and uh, before that, John Hindhoff and Shea Adam as well, with the latest uh, details on the Le Mans 24 hours. It's taken us this long to digest the race and to uh, find out perhaps where we're going as far as the World Endurance Championship is concerned. That's an hour done on uh, the RS1 tra- channel, bringing you midweek motorsport for a Wednesday night. Midweek Motorsport. Half time and while we swap ends, here's
3: what's coming up.
0: So a big weekend to look forward to on RS2 with the Salem's 6 hours IMSA WeatherTech Championship race this weekend which also forms, by the way, round three of four of the Tequila Patron North American Endurance Championship. So John Hindhoff and Shay Adam will have all the details ahead of coverage, which starts on Friday, and it's Friday, Saturday and Sunday, plus the Continental Tire race and the supports as well. A very, very busy weekend. And John's tales from the Pikes Peak Challenge as well. Plenty to look forward to in hour two. Midweek Motorsport on com.
1: So we head into the second hour and it's uh, Shea and John live from a very wet Watkins Glen. The and six hours, as Johnny has just mentioned, uh, this weekend. Uh, thank you, Nick Damon, by the way, uh, on the end of the telephone being very good uh, on all of his... He made us laugh a lot. He in did, that, that, particularly in the first bit. I love the idea of him still sitting talking to gendarmes coming out of uh, Le Castellet.
2: His French was pretty good too. We're gonna have to take yeah. advantage of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, keep the uh, tweets coming in. I'd your team and Davy uh, to, to Bruce. Uh, Seeing of Le Mans, we were just looking back at Le Mans there. Uh, I'm with RC Racing. Uh, wasn't a great race, but loved the event. Our whole gang had a great weekend. Uh, great, Uh, it's always good going to Le Mans, it's Le Mans, simple, always good, always something to enjoy. Uh, Whelan says, uh, let's check in here, the, uh, I feel a bit sorry for Toyota, more so for Alonso, we all see uh, Alonso's politics is his weakness, yet he's copying it for politicking his way into a Le Mans win. Yeah, yeah, no, all right. I I think one of the problems there, uh, the, uh, is, you know he's, and I think I do think this was a little ironic when he came out and said it was the best Le Mans win ever. I honestly think he was poking fun at the Formula One press, and they didn't realise it because it's always the best overtake, the best pit stop, the best season, the most of this, the fastest of that. The best spin. The best spin ever. Yeah. T.M. T.M. Hmm. I, I, I'm not sure that that was taken in the the uh, right way. Uh, if I'm honest. Uh, Alex Orgson says, what are the rules at Le Mans for driver, stint, uh, driver uh, time if their uh, car has been in the pits for a very long time? The answer is I don't know. I suspect that's a trustwell question. And whether there's a pro rata on it, I don't know. And
2: well, it's a six-hour minimum per driver.
1: And there's only three drivers. And there's
2: only three drivers. So that's... Yeah adds up to eighteen hours. And if your car is in the pits for more than a quarter of the race, you don't classify. Correct. So it's a non Ah,
1: very good. Yeah. Shear's worked through that um logically. See? That's the advantage of having Shea here. <laughs> That's rather me just handing hopping. it off immediately to uh to trusses. Okay. Uh that seems reasonable. Uh James Hart says on the same thing, I suppose that would partly depend on when a driver's did start and finish. Uh you can you change a driver midway through a long pit stop for example yes you can the mm-hmm. driver who brings the car in does not have to take it out once it's been in the garage in fact you quite often see that that's the case that if the driver's been sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to go out then they'd, they'd throw him out before they they put the car out keep those coming in at Spec uh the uh, is the uh twitter rage johnny Palmer up in london and we'll get back to him in a wee while and it's Shane John uh, here in the US just after uh, four o'clock in the afternoon, we've got a reception to go to tonight at our hotel, haven't we? Oh, we do. I forgot yeah, about that
2: yeah. at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, Holiday
1: yeah. Inn, very good, at uh, Elmira. Horsehead. Horseheads. Yes. Uh, so, uh, let's move on to the American scene. Before yay. we talk about anything else, <laughs> you, you're just now aping Nick doing uh, yay. I was, Yeah. a little bit. Uh, let's talk about IndyCar. Okay. Now okay. I haven't seen the IndyCar at the weekend, which was okay. at Sonoma.
2: No, it was at Road America. Uh, it was at Road America. You're Sorry. going to NASCAR. You're skipping ahead. Let's yeah. do IndyCar first. Right. So we go to Road America, knowing that Scott Dixon has come out of the weekend the championship points leader. Right. He did not win the race. Who did win the race? You don't know this, so I'm I'm genuinely testing you
1: here. I, uh, who didn't win the race? Who who did win the race? Yes. Was it expected or not?
2: Um, It's not unexpected. It's somebody who gained his 10th win in the Verizon IndyCar series, which is sort of surprising considering he is a series champion. I have no clue. It was Mr. Penske. It was JoJo. Really? Newgarden pole Joseph I you said
1: Joseph New- that's been a heck of a run of results cool. for Penske then,
2: hasn't it? Well it has been, but there is that little thing of Scott Dixon hanging over everybody. He's got close to a So where did
1: Dixie come then?
2: Dixie was third. He so got his he hundred and first podium finish in oh, IndyCar.
1: Hang on a second. So you said he's got a fifty points lead now.
2: He is on 393 points in second place, coming home second this weekend, Ryan Hunter Ray, oh, with for him. 348. So that is 45 points by my math. That's dangerous
1: at this with, time of the season.
2: Well, seven races to go in the season. Scott Dixon, by my accounting, has won or been on the podium at all of the seven except for Portland, which I'm not sure he's ever raced there before. No,
1: I don't think he has. I don't think that was before his time. I, I stand to be corrected. Collective wisdom, please. I'd expect your team. I mean, this is like what Jimmy Johnson does in, or used to do yes. in NASCAR. Second half of the season, you give him a lead, particularly when uh, Jimmy Johnson and Chad his crew chief are going into the mile and a halfs, at which they were king on at the yeah. time, then, you know, it's ju- you might as well have just handed them the trophy with, you know, seven or eight races to go. Dixie, unless he has a really, really poor finish, an early exit and gets zero, zilch, n- null point... Um, He's starting to look good again, isn't he?
2: Well, they go to Iowa this weekend. Ovals are always a big question. You yeah, never know. Yeah, it's
1: a bit of a lottery sometimes, isn't it? Yeah.
2: He's already got a win on an oval this year, mm. Texas. Uh, from there, they go to Toronto, a track which Dixon practically owns. I think mm. he's got three wins there, so he's he's fairly well set. And, yeah, if I'm the competition, looking at Scott Dixon's points lead and looking at the rest of the season, I'm going, OK, what, what's 2019 going to look like? Because mm. at this point... You would take a small miracle to knock Dixon off of the championship grasp, especially given he's been training so much at PitFit. At Le Mans, was incredibly fit. Just coming off of a an airplane, a red-eye the night before, you wouldn't have guessed it. He is on top of his game. A guy who has also been on top of his game this year but not making a lot of friends is Alexander Rossi, tied for second in the championship. And of the little highlights video that I watch of the IndyCar race at Road America— Twice, he knocked people off the track at turn six. The first was his good old buddy, Robbie Wickens, who (sighs) he's been nerfing off quite a bit this season. The second time was that French guy that you really don't want to irritate Sebastian Bourdais because that'll come back to bite you.
1: Look, we love close racing. It's one of the things that IndyCar is very good at, um, and it's been particularly good for that this year, um, apart from the Indy 500, interestingly. (laughs) Um, But, you know... Rossi, I I love him a bit. He's audacious. He's a bit like an older version of Max Verstappen, isn't he? You know, everybody loves him. He pulls off these wicked overtaking manoeuvres. Everybody who's watching loves him. Mm. I'm not sure how well or not he's liked in the paddock because I'm not in the paddock enough. But he's, he's making a lot of mistakes and errors. Now, whether they're his fault or whether it's just the spotlight of misfortune shining down on him, he never seems to want to apologise, and he never seems to want to admit a mistake. It was his mistake at St. Pete's at the start of the year, no doubt. Yeah. And, and I think, and I'm sorry to say this, but I said it at the time, so I'll say it again. I think that, that not imposing a penalty for that at the time made a rod for the IndyCar uh, organisations back, and certainly for race controls back.
2: The ironic thing about Rossi is that this year, by all accounts, people who know him, people who've known him for a long time, he is embracing mm. the IndyCar role mm. more than he ever has in his life, and yet he's making more enemies seemingly on track by not exactly leaving racing room. Now, it's a different expectation in IndyCar. They they race differently. They're much harder wheel-to-wheel But this isn't the kind of behavior that's going to gain you friends and allow people to leave you racing room because it's race how you want to be raced. It's what Bo Barfield has always said, respect and be respected in return. Not seeing that this year. But in any case, he sits third in the championship. He's tied with his teammate, Ryan Hunter-Reay. Joseph Newgarden is just behind them, uh, five points further back. Joseph has three wins on the year, which is more than any of the guys ahead of him. Dixon with two, Hunter Ray and Rossi each with one. And yet, Joseph has been playing a little bit of catch-up. So it's, it's an interesting season developing. And seven races to go. It'll be a battle for the remainder of the field.
1: Scott Dixon ran at Portland in 2001 and 2002, there says we Stephen go. Kilstonk. Thank you, Stephen. I did put myself at the mercy of the collective. Thank you very much indeed, Stephen, for reminding me of that. I'm trying to... If we were still going there, I think, there, then or maybe had just stopped. We used to go there for the LMS. I loved going oh, to yeah. the Rose City Grand Prix uh, up there. Um, we, we've already mentioned uh, about it, sure. uh, about uh, McLaren and IndyCar and, and Scott Dixon uh, having allegedly been approached for a full-season drive by Zach Brown and McLaren to presumably partner, at least for some of the season, if not a full season. I, I honestly can't see Alonso doing a full season of Formula 1 next year. No. Um, so it, uh, Alonso and,
2: and Dixon for, for McLaren? The only... Reason Alonso would go do another full season would be to beat Jensen on the all-time starts list of Formula One Grand Prix.
1: Don't think that. I don't think to he him. cares. Don't think that matters um, enough. No, I agree.
2: If you put Fernando Alonso with Scott Dixon, look at how much Alonso learned when he ran the Indy 500 from his teammates there, who didn't necessarily have that much to share with him. I mean, some of them did, but some of them Marco didn't. Marco Andretti
1: did a very, very good job in the in, in the Indy rookie test. we yes. were in we were in Austin when that happened. I, think I so. remember watching it yeah. on the video. Yeah, I thought he did a very, very good job, and Alonso was a, a thinking driver. I mean, you know, you get with somebody with the experience of Dixon. Exactly. He's going to sponge that up.
2: Potent combination there. That mm. would be, if they could get all the ducks in a row, that could be an unstoppable force. Well,
1: Nick was, you know, saying about Zach Brown never has, has never done a deal in Formula One, um, you know, for McLaren, and. Uh, i mean that's a saleable asset Mm. dixon and alonso together in the states and i thought actually mclaren were very very clever which the way they marketed their indy 500 alonso campaign Mm -hmm. and it's clear that they feel that there's an opportunity there business-wise that that would be a potent pairing in sporting terms and also in commercial terms
2: yeah it would be like Putting, Particularly
1: if Dixie wins the championship.
2: Well, and that would be his fifth championship. Mm. So you get somebody who's looking for his first ever Indy 500 win in Fernando Alonso, looking to complete the triple cl- crown. And you get somebody in Scott Dixon, who at that point would hypothetically be a five-time champion, looking for his second mm. Indy 500 win. You've got the two of them dicing it out at the end of next year's Indy 500 for that win. Mm. You can't write fantastic. a better script.
1: Uh, Kit Mitchell says of Alonso, uh, and his uh, the best Le the winner ever, um, perhaps this could be said about Alonso, the establishment took him literally but not seriously, while his fans took him seriously but not literally. You're very uh, good. I love it. Yes, that's been said about other people recently. Yes. And I like that uh, repurposed. Um, right, so that's, any other IndyCar news? Where are they off to next? Did you say? Uh, Iowa, this Iowa, weekend. Iowa Corn. On Saturday. Is, yeah.
2: um, and I'm not sure if Gabby Chavez is going to be doing that race and then coming here, or if he's skipping that race to race in the six hour but he has been doing a full season IndyCar car conquest so mm. i'm i'm waiting for an answer on that
1: right okay so that's something they that will need but yeah to iowa saturday night saturday night oh, i love sat yeah. i love saturday night under the lights well part of it will be under the lights i I love saturday night racing uh, on that uh, you're listening to midweek motorsport it's uh, a quarter past something, uh, depending (laughs) on where you are. Quarter past nine in the UK and uh, a quarter past four in the afternoon here at Watkins Glen, which is where we are for this weekend's Searland's six hours at the Glen. More on that in a little while and as ever because of the holidays coming up there's quite a lot to talk about liveries wise and we'll Mm -hmm. tell you about that in a moment and we've got some news about next weekend not this weekend coming but next weekend up at canadian time motorsport park as well and some good news uh, for gt fans in the championship here Uh, but let's do a little bit of, of stock car news they were at Sonoma. Sonoma, you and got it right
2: the first time.
1: You see, you put me. You were looking at me. You were giving me that stare. She, I was worried. Um, they were on the uh, on the road course at Sonoma. I caught a bit of practice from that whilst I was over in Colorado. And uh, uh, who, which, which of the drivers have they, they uh, just grabbed in this year? Uh, Robbie Gordon, isn't it? Uh, not Robbie Gordon. Um, who have they just grabbed on the TV team?
2: Jr. is about to make his debut uh, next weekend. I know weekend. That. No,
1: no, no. Who, uh, um,
2: They've got Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I had the right Gordon, just the wrong Not Gordon's Not the alive. Super Trucks. Yes. Uh, the, he was excellent. Oh, even he's in the great. Practice. He, he, even in the practice.
2: He is fantastic. I don't know... How much I like the combination of him and Daryl Waltrip in the booth together, right. because it, it's a little bit too much of drivers. They should mm. really get a uh, Crew Chief in there, which I know NBC does very mm. well. Um, but yeah, Dale Jr. is going to make his debut this weekend, so that'll be fun.
1: Tell me what happened at Sonoma. It's one of my favorite racetracks.
2: What happened was Martin Truex Jr. apparently came out of nowhere to win the race. All the other teams at the end were going... How, where, where did the 78... Shall we what? rewind
1: to see what happened?
2: Yeah, and at the end of the day, Martin Truex Jr. drinking wine out of a wine-shaped gauntlet trophy in Excellent. the victory lane.
1: Uh, it's quite unusual for that to happen at Sonoma because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a tough place to pass for the, the stock cars. You can, but it's a tough place to pass. Everybody is normally on a similar fuel strategy because there's been enough safety car interruptions to, to do that. So how did he do it then? And, and how far back did he come from?
2: I have no clue. I walked into a lovely restaurant in Muskoka called Pie mm-hmm. uh, right as the checkered flag was falling and then saw that Martin Truex Jr. had won the race. And, and I was like many of the teams. How did that happen? So it was quite interesting. But I was 16- watching the, uh,
1: na- na- the, um, the, cup, the trucks. Uh, on oh, they're great. And they were at Gateway, which was fantastic. That was tough to pass as well. Sorry, I interrupted Go ahead.
2: Um, There have been 16 races so far this year in the NASCAR race for the chase, for the quest, for the cup, for the thing. And if you count those 16, mm. 10 to go before the playoffs begin. Yeah. But of those 16 races, there have only been seven drivers that have won. Okay. Because you have guys like Kevin Harvick who have won five races. Kyle Busch has won four. Uh, Clint Boyer has done two Truex now has three, so there hasn't been a lot of diversity this year in terms of the drivers going for the overall championship, which means that Jimmy Johnson, who hasn't won a race in more than a year, which seems impossible, is still in the championship hunt. Yeah, It's going to be quite interesting to see how these next ten play out, and then getting into the championship, how that all winds out.
1: So that was uh, cup racing. We'll come on to... Uh, we'll come on to here at Watkins Glen in a moment, lots to talk about here awful <laughs> lot to talk about here and we haven't even scratched the surface about uh, I, I, I need to sit and talk to more people because I dashed out of Europe um, for what I'm going to talk about next um, straight after Le Mans I haven't had time to really digest the non-rules the, the non-announcement of the new rules for Le Mans, so we'll come back to that in, in future episodes, I've I've got a couple of people to talk to while I'm over here about that, uh, So I had 26, 27 hours at home um, after Le Mans and then jumped on to the big silver bird that took me to Denver. I picked up a cheap Cherokee there and drove to Colorado Springs, 6,000 feet above sea level to go to Sea Pikes Peak. <laughs> Which you did, and you drove all the way up. Yes, that might have been a mistake. Yes. Now, as anyone who knows me knows that I, I am not... In fact, if I stand on my tiptoes, I, I get a little bit lightheaded. Normally, up a step ladder, and, and no. you're
2: not that tall. No, I'm you not. I should say
1: no, I'm not that tall. And so on Saturday, I decided to bite the bullet and to drive up to the top of Pike's Peak. Now, Pike's Peak, as everyone I think should know now, if you've been listening to our preview programs for the attempt by Mobile One and Bentley to to break the production car SUV record, um, is uh, just over 12 miles is that's the run. There's another seven miles below that that you need to get to the start line, uh, and it has 156 corners from the start line, not seven miles below uh, to Glen Cove, which is about halfway. You go up uh, about a couple of thousand feet, and then in the last six and a half miles or so, you go up over 3,000 feet vertically. And it feels like it's vertical sometimes. And other than the very sharpest corners, there are no guardrails. Certainly there's no guardrails on the straights. <laughs> and sometimes the straights have maybe a foot of gravel on the edge of them. And then... Um, my mouth is getting dry. I Talk can hear. Uh, and and then three, 400 feet drop. Hmm. Now, the worst bit that I found out was driving up. I'm driving up. And, of course, I'm on the right-hand side. And lot of the time driving up, I had a wall next to me. And you were driving up
2: at what speed? Uh, about 15 miles an hour. Perfect, The, spe- okay. the speed
1: limit is 15. Uh, most. Some places lower down, it's, it's 35 and 40, but going up the steeper bits, it's 15. And up, as I say, up Glen Cove, no problem. That's, that was great. I, I went up there a couple of times because I went up there to watch some of the, the practice runs. But I hadn't been any further because I, I, I hadn't needed to. But I thought, I better on Saturday before I leave. So I'm going up and, and there's a sheer wall alongside me. So I can look up the wall. I'm not looking to my left because that's down, you know, 6,000 feet back down to Colorado Springs. And you can see it. And it's,
2: very, it's a little tiny, tiny speck. It's tiny.
1: Um, and I'm looking up and I could see a speck above me moving along. And I thought, what is that? Oh, that's the road. And that's where I've got to get. <laughs> and I'm not, that's, next hairpin's not going to take me up there. That next, oh, oh. So I twice I almost decided to turn around and come back down. And then I realised, what, are you are going to do a three-point turn with a 250-foot drop behind your back wheels? Nah, not happening. So at that point I kept on going. And once I got to the Devil's Playground, which is uh, the end of the steep rise, but still about two and a half, three miles from the finish, I thought, I'm pushing on now. So I went all the way to the top, got to the top, which I felt was a pretty decent achievement. Park right in the middle of the car park, so I wasn't at the end... At any of the edges had a full bottle of water because you dehydrate when you're that high up and then i started to panic about getting down and the day before at that sort of time late afternoon there's been a big um stop. so i thought right better get down so i drove down both feet on the brake in second gear locked in the second gear drove down and it was only when i got back down seven miles <laughs> to the brake check station at glen cove which is th- they actually put a uh, Pyrometer onto your brake disc to make sure that you've got enough brakes to get back down the bottom. And if it's over 300 C, they pull you over for 15 minutes, which is great. It's great. Uh, and I was talking to the uh, lady officer there who was testing it. It was funny then. I realised I hadn't got out the car and taken any pictures. Funny. So there's there's no proof that I went there. Just me waking up at night screaming. The, my, the point of that story is, it's a very long way to me saying, Oh my God, those guys. If you, I've said it all this time that we've been talking about the Mobile One and, and uh, Bentley, uh, Bentayga challenge. Uh, go and watch Climb Dance. Uh, it's extraordinary. I tweeted the helmet cam footage from Reese Millen, who went up there in the Bentayga. I'm sure you know what happened. Um, ext- I-, I picked a great year to go. Roman de in the electric Volkswagen, the Norma chassis, um, bit of a, I mean, th- Sorry, I was going to say thrown together, put together in seven months, that whole thing. An extraordinary achievement by the technicians at Volkswagen, at Norma, at, at, and at Volkswagen Group as well, because they used a lot of expertise. Um, the batteries were came from the company that Porsche bought for the LMP1 batteries. Um, the electric motors were partially developed by Audi, I believe, uh, and optimized for Audi from there. Uh, hybrid program and from Formula E, all this stuff. So it's a fabulous story for Volkswagen AG. And the eight-minute barrier went in a full electric car that when it went by you, despite the fact it had a Nina Nina siren on it so that (laughs) people could hear it and animals could hear it, the biggest thing you could hear was it moving the air as it went past you. It sounded like it had a jet engine on it. When it went past you at 160 miles an hour.
2: Ugh. So S- that was your confirmation of just how mental Romain Dumas is.
1: Yeah, and Reese Milne. And. Uh Everybody who goes up there, which included J.R. Hildebrand in the Porsche Cayman GT4 category, which was very well supported, and I think they're going to be going back. Also, Till Bechtelsheimer did that, who's here uh, this weekend. Mm -hmm. Also, CJ Wilson did that, spent a lot of time with the Porsche guys. They had a ball. um, Quite a lot of the the Porsche Cup guys were there. Uh, I think they'll be back bigger and better next year. Um, and, And just, by the way, you saw that onboard footage from... Uh, from race that was just a little over 60 miles an hour average. Romandumar averaged more than 90 miles an hour for the full 12 and a half miles.
2: Nope. Nope. Can't do it. And you're not
1: even scared of heights, are you?
2: No, no, not in the slightest. Mm. And by the way, for the people at home who can't see you as I could see while you're telling Mm. the story of driving the Jeep, his legs were shaking Mm. as he was remembering putting pressure on the brake with both feet. No, Romandumar, insane that he has done that and keeps going back to do it. Three over. years
1: in a row now that he's won. Four, isn't it? It's certainly three years that he's run. Uh, it, won. It might be four years. that he. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I think he's been it four times, and it's just mental.
1: Can I have a quick word as well for Simone Fagioli, who went there in the Norma. There was a couple of other Normas there as well, and broke Race Milne's two-wheel drive record um, in conditions that weren't great, because by the time that some of the cars got up there, it was a little bit snowy oh. on the top. Amazing. Um, and he broke that by half a minute or something. So he was under he was under nine minutes, I think. So he was eight minutes something, uh, Fagioli, who is you know, just an absolute start. Lovely bloke. Chatted to him. Listen, you've heard me wax lyrical about it now. Colorado Springs is a great town. There's loads of hotels there. Despite the fact that there was, you know, a hundred cars and all the associated stuff, a lot of the guys self-run their cars. Some of the cars are still self-built. It's the only place in the world that you're going to see a back open wheel, slick, methanol. So almost world of outlaws looking car next to a bentley bentega <laughs> and they're both competing on the same piece of tarmac um, colorado springs got loads of hotels the it was actually quite funny that it, the air force academy's just down the road and it was their graduation this next few weeks so there was a lot of very Aww. proud parents in hotels uh, and and in in restaurants it's a great place to go to it's about an hour and a half 2 hours from denver or you can fly to colorado springs don't i cannot believe People said, somebody said to me, is it like Isle of Man TT levels are bongers? And I went, oh, no, it's way beyond that. Yeah. That's that's so far in the rearview mirror, you can't see it. And, and listen, I've got loads of respect for everybody who does the Isle of Man, and I, that's an event I've no, not been to, and I need to go to it. It falls too close to Le Mans, same as this. This is why I've never been to Pikes Peak before. I would get on a motorbike, and I would ri- ride, round the Alamante course on my own bike or a sports bike. I would do it. Now, would I be any good? Or would I would be competitive. No, of course I wouldn't. But I would do it and I would take myself to a limit that I was felt comfortable with. I am going to say this right now. I am never, ever, ever going any further than Glen Cove again on two wheels, four wheels or two feet. I am not doing it. It scared me that much. I was a wreck for two hours after it. I literally was. And how these guys race up there, I've got no clue. We've got some special programmings coming up in the next week all about it. I spent a lot of time with Bentley, with Reese Millen, um, with the mountain. And um, I'm sure you know what happened, but I'll I'll leave it open. Um, I see something very special in Pikes Peak. And I see something that other motorsport events sadly won't understand. Because what I see is, uh, what do you want to come and do, Page Peak? Right, bring us your car. If your car is safe, and by the way, they ultrasonically test the integrity of the roll cages. Wow. But you don't need a race license. As long as you've got a road car license, you can drive up. You want to put yourself in that situation? Yep. That's fine. But the car's got to be safe. Yep. Or as safe as you can make it. Uh, it there's no talk of parity. If you can build it bigger and faster, and you can put a bigger engine in it, you can put more fuel into it, you can make it then bring it on and you 're racing the mountain the, the, all the locals had t shirts on that says the mountain decides mm-hmm. extraordinary and Volkswagen got that really really got it right, and they i i 'm sure we'll see an awful lot about it. They actually turned down the car in the bottom part of the circuit or bottom part of the run um. Roman had been doing 150 miles an hour plus at one of the speed traps. On his (laughs) race run, he did 137 because they turned the car down and they turned it up at the top. The reason being that they felt two things. Their aero was better at the top because it was optimised for the thinner uh, thinner air. air. And also they had a bigger performance advantage over Sebastian Loeb's internal combustion engine car because as it got higher, that car lost power. The electric motors don't lose power at all. So they turned it up at the top. And the times in the split in the top for Demar in the twistiest, most scary place, above 12,000 feet, nothing grows, nothing lives. So there's no tree line to protect you if you roll off the edge. And if you go off the edge, you have a long time to think
2: about it before you hit anything.
1: Oh, oh, but the the museum is great. They've got an Evo in there that did fall off the mountain that they've recreated in a little diorama. And amazingly, you know, it was strong. It did its job, and the driver got out of it. It, it, is, it has to be, if you're a real, pure motorsport fan, no BOP, no EOT, no maximum stint lengths, you want to put street tyres on because you're in a production class, then you're that, you're if you want to hand-cut slicks, if you want to find somebody to build your tyres, and Michelin built special tyres for the Volkswagen, just bring it, just bring it, and take it on the mountain. So long as you're safe and you know what you're letting yourself in for. Extraordinary stuff. And they do it on bikes. And when it's open to the public, you can ride up on motorbikes and take your RV and it's just bonkers. So (laughs) add it to your list. And listen out for those uh, programmes coming up on the Radio Show Limited network of channels uh, later on uh, this week and next. Uh, still to come in the last half hour of Midweek Motorsports, Series 13, Episode 24. Uh, Shea and I live from Watkins Glen, where the rain has, has at least stopped, but we still mm-hmm. can't see the lake.
2: It's still hitting the glass. Okay,
1: fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking about the race here this weekend, and we'll be finding... Uh, we should have a drum roll here. We'll be finding out what our mobile one moment of the 24 hours of Le Mans was, Ooh. and who is going to become the new guardian of Richard Leeds Porsche's race suit. it would me, fit you me
2: it did i held it up ah. and it, it was the perfect size so shit
1: i'm not included no. in this prize no no i'm still waiting for the responsible adult uh to uh fire through a message to me obviously we're here she is well everywhere everywhere but, yeah yes. back in back at Hindhoff towers so i'm waiting up about that fantastic stuff and, and keep in keep the uh the tweets coming in at specutainment uh as well uh uh right let's talk about this weekend johnny palmer's in london by the way sorry forgot about you there j p that's but all right i know that you're still there i am i can feel your presence <laughs> that there, there's a disturbance in the force the force is strong in that one
2: uh, very mm-hmm. the young padawan is very talented yeah,
1: very talented uh let's talk about this weekend very quickly go through um We've got a busy week. It's always a busy weekend here. Uh, we'll be on the PA and the local radio here from tomorrow morning. Jeremy mm-hmm. Shaw flying in tonight, and in theory, uh, well, yes. <laughs> Let's not even talk about my travels, <laughs> my travel travails. Thank goodness I had that CTS. How good is that CTS? Oh, by it's though? awesome. You like? Really awesome. You do like the noise, don't yes, you?
2: Yes, it. it has Krilzy, you would love rumble.
1: it, mate. I sent Krilzy a picture. Oh, poor Krilzy. Yeah, he he loves it. Um, ah. Uh, so let's talk about the support series. What have we got here this weekend?
2: We have our G T three series, so the Porsches are back. We've got
1: But only only the US series.
2: Uh, yes, yes, only the US, but a little bit confusing because Roman DeAngelis is still in it. He's in both. Mm. He's, you know, he's everywhere. He's a bit like the response bottle. He is everywhere. Um, so he is here. It is only the GT3 US, GT3 Canada. Next race is on the streets of Toronto for the Honda Toronto Indy, which I heard an ad on the radio the other mm. day for that. I got really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Lamborghini Super Trofeo. They will be here this weekend. A couple new drivers coming into that series. So you'll have to listen into the race to find out who they are because i want people to tune in um we've got four hours of the continental tire sports car challenge it is the second big endurance race for really? them have we yeah yeah it's four hours i thought that was at laguna it was last year oh it's, it's back this year. here Yeah. Right, okay so saturday from 1 55 to 5:55, i believe is the race uh local time but so, and when we're qualifying for uh saturday morning okay fine um
1: so so right so that let's not forget that that four hours um of the continental tires sports car challenge is in sound and vision for those of you in the states and everywhere else to the world to the world everyone gets that uh we will have qualifying for the imsa weathertech sports car championship in sound and vision We, we have all of the imsa weathertech sports car championship Uh, ...sessions live here... ...or live on RS2 IMSA Radio... Um, ...but we go with IMSA TV for the qualifying... ...and that again, no blocks, no breaks... ...that's available for you... ...that stays the same for the international audience... ...as we go flag to flag... um, ...from here at Watkins Glen... ...for the whole six hours... ...for those of you in the States on Sunday... It is FS1, and I think it's FS1 hmm. all the way through this weekend. Hmm. Uh, check local listings for details. But I, I think this is one of the ones that has full coverage.
2: Green flag is 9.45 in the morning, local. So that would be 1.45 England?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah five yeah. hours. Um, so I just did that on my fingers. I,
2: I saw that. I figured that's that you heard the tapping counting. on the side uh, of the chair. But it's 9.45 to 3.45, mm. so tune in. You're yeah. not missing anything. No, very good. Um, and it will be one heck of a race. 42 cars entered in the sale in six hours this year. 16 prototype. We've got our eight GTLM that we've become accustomed to. And then 18 cars in GTD.
1: Right. Let's, talk, let's talk about GTD. And okay. let's skip ahead to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Because we've got some big news. And big news particularly for a certain British driver.
3: For
2: GTD? Are you talking about Catherine Lake, perhaps? Yes, yes. The 86 is on the entry list. Yay! Now, we
1: expected that car was always going to do the long races. Yes. And so it was definitely going to be here. And we asked the direct question at Detroit. What happens
2: after? And she said, I honestly don't know. We asked the direct question at Mm mid-Ohio. What happens to Detroit? Mm -hmm. At that point, second in the championship. And we didn't know if we were going to see Catherine at Detroit. Well, Catherine showed up. Alvaro couldn't because he had another commitment.
1: Because he wasn't expecting to do it, of course. Exactly.
2: So they brought in Super Mario Farmbacher. And what happened in Detroit? Oh, yeah, that car won. So all of a sudden, it's back here again. The 86 is running at the Salem Six Hours of the Glen, as expected all along. But the entry list for Canadian Tire Motorsport Park came out a little bit earlier, and there were a couple of surprises, including that that car has already been entered. So we've gone from, well, we're going to do... The ninety-three for the season-long. This is what MSR said at the beginning, mm. and the eighty-six for the endurance races. The eighty-six is done every race. Catherine Leg is three points behind Brian Sellers and Madison Snow coming mm. into this weekend. And guess what? All it takes is one position. Oh, oh
1: I, 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 and you know, and and fair play for uh, the sponsors. Yes. For, for stepping up, um, and is it the is it the going to be the XM car at? Uh,
2: um, no, it it has a special livery for this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they're going to change it in the week in between. They didn't last year because it is such a tight crossover in between. But Sirius XM with a very prominent uh, feature on the car. They've also got AutoNation. That's been another big sponsor that they brought on board. But a huge round of applause to the entire MSR team for putting this together to be able to keep this car running and well up in the championship contention. we have got Catherine, who is second in points, and Al, after missing a race, he's still in eighth. So it's not over. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I did see something about a Sirius XM livery. Is yeah. that is that running here this weekend? That's though?
1: that's running this weekend. Oh, it's a black, mainly black car with the Sirius XM uh, transmission logo uh, on it. Hmm. Um, the, the livery is uh, is what it, 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 it's it's the livery is what's got the car to uh, the July sixth to eighth event at CTMP. And Alvaro Parent uh, is back this weekend with Catherine, and they're running it this weekend uh as well o- although there is a uh they'll also be on the other car um with justin marks and lawson ashen serious will be yes but yes. It, that is the red white and blue
2: yes that's the one with the liberty bell on the yes. side which yes. is fantastic considering last year they did uh lady liberty on one car and what was it on the other one i, I was
1: can't it uncle Sam. Remember.
2: it was uncle sam yeah. That's right yeah and that was the car that went on to win
1: so Thank you. The Limey remembers that.
2: Congratulations. Yes. Yes. Uh, he Canada did you. this weekend, of course. Yes, on race day. So look out on Twitter. There will be a lot of special stuff going on. 2.45 uh,
1: for the race start in the UK yeah, for that. Uh, not, the, not the only red, white and blue patriotic livery because, of course, we're coming into the 4th of July uh, week. Uh, st- 1st of July on Sunday. So big weekend here uh for the United States. Uh, uh ironically of course on a German car.
2: Yes. Well, we've got uh the Acura which is uh, run by the Hart team. Yeah, but that is, but they're... that
1: but that is at least built here.
2: Yes, it' built in Ohio, so yeah. proud of that. And the Porsche the right-racing Porsche with the only American factory Porsche driver, Patrick Long, alongside Christina Nielsen. We've, we've adopted her. She's practically American at this date. Uh, they are running a red, white, and blue car. It it's looks fabulous. fantastic in the Porsche pictures. Porsche
1: not in and out of the park with their liveries oh. lately. And yeah. This is right motorsport. So, you know, they, uh, they need a change in fortune as well this year. Started the season badly, and frankly, it's been a bit of a bobsleigh run. It's gone downhill from there. And... Yeah, they they've had zero look zero look Christina yeah. was very very excited about trying to defend a championship this year and it just hasn't
2: happened but it's not over yet and no. that's the good news as we Lots come of in, points. we're halfway through the season when we're done with this race there's a lot up for grabs and look at what happened when Porsche put a special livery on a car at le mans it went to the victory area Are we going to see that happen again this weekend? Well, Christina's won here before. Patrick Long, he knows this track inside and out. The big question mark, as always, is going to be Robert Renauer. But that's a guy who knows Porsches. So they've got all of the the stars in line and the stars on the back of the car. Uh You've got to think that that 58 has something special. There were a couple other notable driver lineup changes in GTD for this race. We welcome back P1 to the paddock, but instead of Kenton Cook being their third driver, Adam Christodoulou, who has only driven at Daytona, he's going to be interesting to watch because I'm sure he'll have a smile plastered on his face. The 63, the Scuderia Course Ferrari. Well,
1: he's the other side of the defending champion story.
2: Yes, it is. Because
1: last year, Christina Nielsen, who we've just been talking about, no look this year, probably not going to defend the championship at this point looking for wins just you know trying to make a season out of it had a great partnership with Alessandro Balzan just Balzan to everybody here yeah. he just gets called by his second name and um, he has been notable by his absence in the car um he was at Detroit yep um didn't get in the car no nope. his he, seat was taken by
2: uh Jeff Seeger um Balzan had a minor surgery before Detroit which was what was put out there, uh, which is why he did not drive the car. Jeff was partnered with Cooper at uh, Le Mans, where they came home fifth, I want to say. Now, back this weekend, in the 63, Cooper McNeil, Gunnar Jeanette, his longtime co-driver and endurance co-driver, and Jeff. There's no Mm, balls on.
1: That's interesting, isn't it?
2: Yes, and for the Canadian Tire Entry List, it is Cooper and Jeff. So again, no balls on.
1: And uh, just to prove we're live, uh, read into that what you will, dear listener. If you uh, uh, Australia need 35 to win the cricket uh, from the remaining five balls of the last over. I know that means nothing to you, but that will prove that we are uh, live this evening as it is uh, in the UK. GT categories then we were talking about there. What else have you got for us? Uh,
2: Oz Negri comes back to the championship. He's in a Ferrari with Daniel Serra uh, and a gentleman driver which will be very interesting to see how they can fare. We welcome back CJ Wilson Racing, Till and Mark as you mentioned previously Till having come off the mountain and survived Uh, (laughs) Land comes back Sheldon Vandalinda, so the younger of the brothers alongside Chris Mee's and uh, I know Chris is super excited about this heat knot. He has been putting a lot of that on Instagram because it's going to be 100 it, degrees on race throwing day. Throwing
1: down at at the moment. It's <laughs> going to be 100 degrees Fahrenheit uh, on a, a race day and it will feel a lot hotter than that in the car.
2: In GTLM, we only have two cars that are running three drivers, which is interesting because the heat, could play in to be a factor those two cars are the bmws now we expect bill oberlin to be back in the 25 alongside conor Felipe and alexander sims he is tom blankfist mm. is our third driver in the number 24 bmw i didn't see that coming
1: no uh tom started his career in formula bmw where i remember uh, him quite uh clearly when i was doing uh, that for british tv and Always been a good little driver, good little steerer, mm. as Creelsey would say. Second mention <laughs> for you tonight, Richard. Um, and, you know, this is this is a big opportunity for him.
2: Very big. And he's in the car with Jesse Crone and John Edwards. So mm. it's a young guns car, for sure. Not that any of the BMW drivers really classifies anything but, especially if you include Bill Oberlin's exuberance. Mm. He classifies as about a 14-year-old child, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, but it's just interesting that they're the only ones to decide to come and run three drivers. So we're going to have to see how that strategy plays out it
1: gives them options that's all particularly in the heat there might not be that's how it stands now you mark my words there will be some teams that have two drivers now that will acquire a third driver just in case you know if you're here this weekend as part of a support series and you're a decent peddler i would i would not be dashing home on sunday morning
2: no submit your resume to mm. uh, the other teams that are in the paddock the big thing that has caught teams out here in the past though is that if you have three drivers they all have to get the minimum drive time or else your car is not classified right. that happened to the 31 last year the whalen engineering cadillac where they had mike conway i think it was mike listed he didn't drive yeah. and so the car was moved to the back of the field yeah so that can happen and that can wind up having championship implications. Minimum drive time for the race in all categories is 30 minutes, except GTD, where it's an hour and 30 minutes. So you've got right. to be careful about having that third driver. You've got to give him some love, too.
1: Yeah, but that sort of time, 30 minutes, is that's an easy stint length to fit in. You'd think. Yeah. Well, but yeah, well, we've just been talking about exactly. that, though, haven't we, about Lamont uh right what Prototype? prototypes what we're gonna what we're gonna see in prototypes what's what's of note um, all the usual suspects Have the, we got the 90 car back
2: we have the 90 Excellent. car uh just the two drivers again this weekend so it's young matt mcmurray that
1: spirit of daytona I should yes say, yeah. spirit
2: of daytona young matt mcmurray who still cannot drink champagne on the podium which is fun to say because he's not yet 21 and tristan vaudier uh, we've got all the usual suspects in the Gainsco auto insurance car, the one that finished second here last year. So Chris Miller, Steven Simpson, and Misha Goykberg looking to continue strength to strength. Of note, in the number 77, it's Oliver Jarvis and Tristan Nunez joined again by Rene Rast. Rene and Ollie, rookies to Watkins Glen. So that's going to be fun to talk to them after they've turned their first laps here. That crazy man who went up the mountain, Romain he's back in the core autosport, the number yeah. 54. Uh, so he'll be another fun one. The United Autosport Need to have car a chat with back. him.
1: I didn't get a good chat with him at the weekend, so we need we'll to get make a chat happen. with him.
2: Yeah. yeah, Uh United Autosport. Bruno Senna, Paul Darasta. That guy seems to like endurance races. He's starting
1: to get it now. Is Paul? Yeah. Um, Andre the Autosport on their transporter. I noticed as we were coming through the paddock. It's yeah. Perhaps a start of something interesting there. So that's something to follow up on. Uh, at the weekend as well.
2: Uh, saw Mike Conway at the Eurotunnel uh, station where he said, so what's next for you then? I said, oh, Watkins Glen. He goes, oh, I'll see you there. He is indeed here. He's in the 31, the Willen Engineering Racing car that won the last round. Philippe Nazar and Eric Curran uh, co-driving there. We've got Nico Lapierre, so LMP2 Le Mans winner without leading a lap. Mm. Uh, three times yes. now he's won that race. <laughs> That's a
1: great start.
2: He joins Pippo Durrani and Johannes van Overbeck in the number 22. Keep your eyes on that car. But the sister car, Scott Sharp, Ryan Dial, and Ollie Plaw, hello. You've got to think they're due for a good result. Everyone's been paying attention to the 22 all year. Well, the two deserves a bit of love as well. Team Penske sticking with two drivers in each of their cars, so they're not letting heat factor in. Uh, usual suspects there, Elio and Ricky in the seven, Dane and JPM in the six. And then the five is possibly the most interesting lineup that we have that we've not yet talked about, John. Philippe Albuquerque, championship leader, coming into this weekend without his partner in crime. First time ever, Joao Barbosa will not win the Tequila Patron North American Endurance Championship. You, you ch- You're you cringing. You've got me
1: cringing again, and not because of the height that we're at at the moment. <laughs> this is a piece of cake now for me. Oh, piece yeah. of cake. Easy. Um, I, you showed me some pictures of Joao's Wrist, right wrist, I think it is. Uh, Left Left wrist. See, see, it just didn't look right. No, no. It looked like special effects.
2: For Joao, it'll be in a cast for a little while. The team has said that he'll be back at Road America. I'm not entirely sure that he will be ready for that, just by the extent of the injury and trying to hold a steering wheel going through the carousel with the left wrist injury. Ow, ow, ow. Uh, So it is Christian Fittipaldi stepping back into the co-pilot seat, as Mm. is expected. He is in for the Enduros. He's TPNAC champion as well since 2014. Think about that. Four years running, they th- that duo has so won How much the time he's had in the
1: car though since he was last in it?
2: None, none since Sebring. Right. So it will be. It'll take him a few laps to get back up to speed. Good thing he knows this track. And he won here well. last year. But then Gabby Chavez, being the third driver uh, roped in, Gabby, who raced in this series in the Enduros a couple of years back in the Delta Wing. So he's got experience, but with a drastically different car. As I mentioned earlier, not sure if he's doing the IndyCar race this weekend, which he has been doing the entire season of. It's going to be interesting to see how he can slot into this already formed family Mm. and the only one of those drivers who doesn't speak Portuguese. So that'll be new for the team as well.
1: Yes, good point. Uh, This traditionally has been a race that has always given us plenty of action. Add in the heat, potentially people making mistakes. Fast lap times. I think we'll see qualifying records go uh, on Saturday. Uh, The the track is weathering in nicely after it's resurfaced. What, a couple of seasons ago now. This weather that we've got now, will just take all the rubbish off the top of the track and then we'll start with a clean green track tomorrow. Although there is a little rain forecast Tomorrow, um, so another weekend of action here at on uh, the on the, um, uh, on the RSL uh, network. Uh, it will be on RS2, and our first session live on the radio will be the first of the WeatherTech sessions, uh, and. She's just going to pull out. Phone, As I started to talk about schedule. that, I realised that I didn't have the piece of paper I thought in my hand. It's <laughs> 20 past three um, in the UK. It's the first of the weather check sessions anyway.
2: Uh, 10.25 local.
1: Say so, Johnny Palmer already had it there. That's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, JP. He's
2: taking all our jobs. Yeah, I know. There's no point in us being
1: here, frankly. <laughs> it could just be everywhere. I mean, really. Um, he sa- doesn't he sound good? Oh, yeah. Sounds good on the line from London.
2: With that s- four-second delay?
1: Yeah, which is lots of fun uh, J- Johnny is still with us up in London so anyway that's this weekend lots of it uh, plenty of it in sound and vision as well Of obviously all the support races that we talked about earlier so the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama. Uh, their races are live and in full on IMSA TV and on the player at radiolamon.com uh, as well as is the uh, Conti race and what was the other
2: support? Uh, GT3 and Lambo. Lambo,
1: thank you. I forgot. Lambo slipped out. Of my mind. Two
2: Lambo races, two GT3 races, one really long Conti race, and one really long IMSA race.
1: Yeah, hardly anything for us to do. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, our merry band. Uh, JP up in London. Uh, we've got nine minutes left uh, on the show, uh, and the we come now uh, to something that uh, I know is very dear to your heart: the Morbill One moment of the race sort of took over from our spirit of the race award this year. We were looking for something uh, a little bit different. And, I, and I've got to say that Mobile won massively stepping up to the plate in terms of the uh, bits and pieces that went along with it. Uh, on our campsite tour on Friday night, at Porsche Curves and Flexitels for the uh, travel destinations areas, uh, we met a lot of great people, gave a lot of hats, and Silverstone gave us some tickets to give away. Uh, and by the way, too late now. That ended last Friday, if you haven't used your uh, your ticket uh, option. But I know many people did. Uh, and some Porsche goodies as well. And the big Porsche goodie for Mobile One, Moment of the Race, uh, share, And you had your hands on it. We had to prize it out of you.
2: What? It was the fire suit. Richard Leith's, uh fire suit from his GT. Um, in WEC. In WEC. And keep in mind, he is a champion. He yeah. won that championship in
1: 2015. Um. So... Uh, I don't think the selection, which was done by a public vote on our Radio Show Ltd uh, Facebook page, from all of the submissions, we picked out the top three, and then uh, one was in there. Um, Izakian's "Never Say Die" attitude uh, was in there, uh, and I, I think that you know got a lot of, uh, it got a lot of traction. But the one that uh, came out by far and away the best on the Facebook page, not the collective, This was, by the way, that was the uh, Facebook page, uh, the RSL or Radio Show LTD Facebook page, um, which is something you need to keep an eye on in the future because we'll be doing more stuff like this, was Mr... And I'm going to let Johnny Palmer announce this because he was an integral part of it. So our Mobile One moment of the... 2018, 24 Hours of Le Mans was? Uh,
0: You're very kind, John.
1: Um, It was,
0: during the 20th hour, that spectacular battle between Sebastien Bourdais in the number 68 Ford And the number 91 Porsche, Fred McAviki. I mean, there was a little bit of zigzagging from the Frenchman, you have to admit, from uh, McAviki, that is. But it supplied us with such an incredible fight for second position in GTE Pro, which lasted, well, several corners, several laps, no less. And uh, I particularly enjoyed calling it uh, very late on. I I mean, I was tired. I was emotional, but uh, it certainly did wake me up.
1: I was sitting with Joe Bradley on the other side of the curtain. No, literally, because we did have a curtain down the middle of the <laughs> studio uh, this year. I knew accommodation in the TV compound. And we were, obviously, we were watching the TV pictures a little bit behind uh, what Johnny was seeing because they, uh, Johnny, uh, in, in the main part of the studio, we had a direct TV feed um, from the truck, whereas uh, the house feed being digital is a couple of seconds behind. And we knew something was going to happen because, of course, we could hear Johnny behind the curtain going bonkers about it. Um, in a 24 hour race, Johnny, um, you know, we, we, we've got used to everything at Le Mans, but at that stage of a 24 hour race, you know, you're not necessarily expecting something like. That to to happen, and, and yet you've got to be you've got to be ready for it. I, I sensed that you really enjoyed that. What ten, fifteen minutes, or whatever it was? Uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, very much so. And I, and I have to say that um, you know, balance of performance got its fair share of uh, knocking through the course of the week, and then during the week, it's, uh, during the race itself. But I think particularly for those two cars, the Ford GT and the Porsches, they got something right, and we could have actually had a far closer race for the lead had. The, the uh, slow zone, the safety car, not force the two replica Porsche liveried cars uh, apart. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are certain occasions mm. where you get two cars at a similar point in the stint because remember Andy Prio was involved in that scrap as well but Prio was able to get by the two because he was deeper into his stint and he had a lighter car therefore but both Bourdais and and McAviki were near enough even Stevens as far as their 14 lap stint was concerned and it was just I mean you thought the move was done then Fred came back then Bourdais tried to get through again and you know the man from Mm. Le Mans wasn't particularly glowing about Fred's driving afterwards, but, I mean, it it put on a spectacular show for us, Mm. and I think that kind of is all that matters.
1: Uh, And just a a quick note about Adam Christodoulou being here this weekend before we uh, announce uh, the winner of the race suit, which has been chosen uh, at random from those people who voted. Uh, The... One of of your... uh, I was going to say countryman there, uh, <laughs> from your neck of the woods, I think uh, yes. it's fair to say, Mr. Co- Christodoulou, isn't he?
0: Yes, so despite my, uh, the branding of, of uh, my Twitter handle, Blackpool Johnny, that's uh, purely from family ties. I am a, I'm a Birmingham lad, born in Edgebaston and raised in the West Midlands, so it's nice to have somebody from down the road from me, mate, who's doing some international racing once again.
1: I'll be... Well, he, he has. To, like, people might have forgotten this. He has done prototype racing in the past. He did something grand up um, and did all right, hmm. actually. Uh, British. Was he British Formula 3 champion? Uh, no, he wasn't Formula 3 champion, was he? But he certainly did do British Formula. Oh, Th- well, maybe he was Formula 3 champion. Um, I know that he's, he started in single seat. A, a great lad, Adam, and has plied his trade very, very impressively in GTs, particularly at the Nurburgring and. Uh, Bathurst and Dubai and places like that in the past. Um, right, that's it. Uh, no time for any more. We're off. Goodbye. Oh, well, we haven't given the race suit away.
2: I voted. Can I win?
1: Uh, sadly, no. Aww. Uh And I am just waiting for this to pop up on the screen in front of me. And uh, our winner of the Richard Leitz Porsche WEC race suit, which is going to look great in a frame. Yeah. Right, I...
2: And it was cleaned too, so it's not sweaty and smelly and. But he has gross. signed it. Yes. He yes. has
1: signed it, and it's got Richard on the, the belt area. They don't have belts on their suits so now, they're sort of like gathered in together. And our winner, and I'm just. Oh, yes, it's arrived. No? I, I almost feel like I should have a gold envelope uh, for this. Uh,
2: and the winner. The program Oscar has stopped
1: running. It is. And our winner. Oh, this is going to make somebody very happy indeed. <laughs> And we'll get in touch and get details for you. Our winner is Alexander Orkin. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and the home setup up winners. Uh, we have some more Porsche goodies uh, for that as well. And uh, I think we have caps and various other things. Eve's just putting that on the screen in front of me. That will be set up tomorrow. That will be uh, announced on the internet tomorrow. Uh, so keep an eye on the Radio Show LTD, Radio Show Limited, uh, Facebook page, not the Midweek Motorsport Collective. We're doing lots more. You need to have a page, not a group, for some of these things nowadays. So we're doing much more, like we did the uh, Aston Martin um, Festival. We did the, the Studio Camp. So we're doing much more of that. So keep an eye on Twitter and, uh, most importantly, on the Facebook a page there for Radio Show LTD. So congratulations, and thank you to everybody who voted, by the way, and everybody who took part in all the competitions. When people say to us, how can we help you at Radio Le Mans, we always say, enter the competitions. If you've got time, say thanks to the sponsors, or at least visit their sites, hit the links on their advertising Uh, icons on the page. We've got loads more stuff coming up over the next few weeks, including the winners of the Jura competition. We're going to go down there and set some times for you to beat as well. So it's all going to be uh, coming out in the next few weeks just to make sure everyone has had plenty of time to go there. Click on those links on the RadioLemon.com Homepage, Johnny, thank you very much indeed. Have you enjoyed your uh, time at the helm
0: i have yes it's uh, it 's a rare thing these days, but um, yeah time you 're in need of a presenter on a Wednesday night, just give me a call
1: right that 's it I'll, uh, hope you hopefully i 'm around next week as well when i 'm in canadia
0: uh, that can be arranged yes i 'm also by the way very much part of the Watkins Glen coverage excellent. but just purely uh, from behind the scenes pressing buttons and opening faders for you.
1: Oh are you? Oh excellent. we can push off here for an hour in the yeah. middle and just leave it to Johnny. No we'll be good. Except you know what will happen. He'll get the, he'll get, in the whole six hours he'll get the best 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. You know he just does, he's just got, that, always what happens got that skill. Johnny. Johnny Palmer was our executive producer and voice in London. Thanks to Nick Damon for the Formula One and bikes. Share Adam and me John Hindorf here the Responsible adult, as always, uh, was Eve Hewitt. There's no time to explain because the llama has got a nice little soiree to go to. Bye-bye, and well done, Alexander.
0: This programme is a Radio Show Limited production.
1: Tell your friends there's more at RadioLemande.com.